and hello to uh, the Patreon uh, subscribers. And if you aren't subscribed to Patreon already, go subscribe, please. It's only $3 a month. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's all I need to say It's $3. If you don't have $3, why do you have an iPhone? You know what I mean? So it's like a month. You know what I mean? You get paid if you have a job. That's $36 a year. Like, come on. And you know how much they're spending? Netflix is at like 13 or some shit? For two screens, mind you. So, I'm just saying, if you got Netflix, but you don't want to spend $3 a month. For somebody you enjoy. If you don't like it, then whatever, but. Yeah. I mean, because it's cool. Like, and like, as Patreon goes on, like we talked about it, like, there's going to be more stuff that we're going to be adding to it. But at least follow us on Instagram and Letterboxd. Yes, for more film content, and uh, we are, we are pretty. I am pretty active on the none of this really matters Instagram. Yes, not as much as I want to be, but it's still pretty, uh, yeah. pretty good for. We'll work on that. You're way better than you ever have been ever in Insta in Instagram history. Yeah, remember you started the podcast and you were like, "I'm going to take a break from Instagram." I was like, "No," <laughs> like yeah. the exact opposite, because. Uh, Right now, I, I I am. Like, I only have my uh, None of This Really Matters account logged in. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's cool, like, what I post on there. Which is, it's always, like, when I when I just try to decide, am I going to post, uh, like, a deep cut movie, a Nate movie, as you would say, or am I going to post fucking The Dark Knight? You know what I mean? You should do Nate movies. I should. Because a lot of, I feel like... People might go watch them. that. Yeah, that's the, the... I'm just thinking about, like, demographic-wise. of yeah. like The, peop- the people who would be on Letterboxd. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm trying to... It's like a weird battle because I'm into both fucking, you know, Christopher Nolan movies and fucking, you know, Japanese noir movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, that's why I do both, you know? I do post... I've posted Tenet and I've also posted... A fucking Ingmar, Ingmar Bergman movie, right. but the, it, it'll and I posted Midsummer. That was the last one I posted as of us recording this today, because I might post one later tonight or tomorrow, whatever. Mm-hmm. But please go follow us on Instagram at None of This Really Matters. Follow Rob at Just Rob DNV on Letterbox and Instagram. Follow me uh, on Letterbox at Nathan McGeorge. So. Go do that, please, please. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so what's up? Uh, what have you watched? Besides what we're going to review today, what have you watched recently? Uh, I know you've been on a big horror kick lately. Yeah, I have. I haven't watched a lot of movies because I've been in the stew cooking up a lot. So it's <laughs> a lot of, like, background stuff. Oh, you're, for just for vibes? Yeah, <laughs> like Atlanta, Z Nation. Uh, Is that a show? Z yes. Nation? Okay. Yeah. I haven't. It's the show you wouldn't like it. It's too uh, slapstick for you. <laughs> it's too self-aware. But um, what movie did I watch today? I know you watched Snowpiercer. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. I did watch. Snowpiercer. I was here. I was here for great like, movie. 2013. That's your second Bong Joon Ho movie that you've seen. So, I like Bong Joon Ho. Within the past month, you've yeah. seen Parasite and Snowpiercer. I'm about to go on Shutter and watch uh, The Train to Busan, and then the second one that just came out. So His just shots on, are so you just amazing. want like Korean. You're just on. You're getting into Korean film, which is dope. Well, Rich is really. Let me just say this: they're just 
like America number three. They're like <laughs> their their culture is so. And the beauty of them is they remind me of like Mexican people, where mm-hmm. you're like I'm American as shit, bro, but I'm mm-hmm. still Mexican. Like mm-hmm. you'll you'll see a, a Mexican person with like Chihuahua on the back of their pickup truck, but then like an American flag on the back on like mm-hmm. their bumper sticker or something like mm-hmm. that. Like I'm still Mexican, but I'm Mexican American as shit. <laughs> so that's what Koreans remind me of, like K-pop and Bong mm-hmm. Joon Ho. So. It's like you have this. There is this. They're just American inspired. Yeah, that's what Bong Joon. They Ho still is. have their. They know how to hit you in your Americanness with like the action and mm. like even with the gore and basically the extreme like violence that we like mm. essentially like. But and but he still has like these Korean principles in his show or mm. movies where there's still like a tad mm. bit more teamwork. I would say and. Mm. A tad bit, and there's just more Korean people in the movies. Like well, there's always like yeah. at least a Korean co-star yeah. in his movies. You know, from and what Bob I've Jun-ho? seen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, and I'd like that. I'm like, you putting your people on. Like, that's well, dope. he's a Korean. He's not Korean American. He's just, he's Korean. Yeah, but I mean, but he has access to Chris Evans, so that shows you have yeah. some American. You I, had after Chris, like later in his career, though. You had Chris Evans. At the height of Chris Evans, 2013 Chris mm-hmm. Evans, like, come on, dude. Like, mm-hmm. so I was like, oh no, you're like that dude. If you were that dude in South Korea for a while before you came over here yeah. to have access to Chris Evans. Yeah, like Bong Joon Ho since. But I, I like when he didn't, I'm saying he didn't sell out. That's what I like. He didn't come over here and be like, give me Chris Evans and then give me a bunch of like these yeah. Hollywood fucking extras. Because he has two. I can, I still, I consider Snowpiercer a Korean movie. I don't say it's american because it's korean production company it's korean everything it's just an english they're just speaking english like that's the only thing that makes it okay appealing yeah. to american because mm-hmm. all of it it's a korean writer a korean director yeah so i didn't know that it was korean produced i would i would, it's probably it would have to be at least i would say it's probably mainly korean produced you know there's always like some kind of production house mm-hmm. behind the production house mm-hmm. but anyway yeah so snowpiercer was yeah, we went off on a weird tangent. No, it's not a weird. It's just that Snowpiercer is good. We're just giving props to being Bong able Jun-ho, to. We got to do a Bong Joon to be able to do uh, a back-to-back. yeah, to be able to do a cultural appeal movie is very difficult because yeah. I talk often about how I hate Chinese produced movies mm-hmm. and it's very really? apparent. Oh my god! Why, dude? Their movies are they try so hard to like Chinese movies. No, Chinese produced, oh, okay. like, like Fast the and production Furious. companies. Yeah, like okay. fast, these these new. I thought ones. you meant like films coming out of China. I was no, like, they no, make no. great fucking. I was just watching. Uh, yeah, back in like the early fifties, mm-hmm. but before they became like trying to take over the world economically, which is mm-hmm. like remember I mentioned Pacific Rim two. Yeah, fucking uh, all the, the Fast and Furious. Yeah. yeah, the new. If you uh fucking Monster Hunter, like even the movie review I read about it. I haven't it, seen that because my dad uh rented it and he, I don't think I I didn't watch it. I don't think he watched it either. But we rented it for like two bucks or three bucks. Mm-hmm. And uh I remember being like, I'll give it a shot, but I just never watched it. I almost feel as though their movies, their newer movies, let me keep saying that, like there's a their production company, because remember they're communists, so any company that exists is a state-owned company they're not like us where it's like 
Universal Music Group or you or Sony Universal basically owned the government. Mm-hmm. It's the government. It's the other way around over there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their stuff to me is like, oh, this is what you think Americans like. Where South Koreans are like, oh, we know what you like. Yeah. Like you understand nuance. They're like, oh, let's just blow a bunch of stuff up and then say a bunch of cuss words, mm-hmm. and Americans will like that. And it's like, no, that's it's yeah. way deeper than that. So, like, when you watch Monster Hunter or fucking Pacific Rim so, 2 okay. or when t- any Tencent produced picture. I get what you're saying. Now. Yeah, they're trying to do such this global appeal, but they're also <laughs> Chinese. So they don't like they're a lot of... They're also terrible like, movies. Yeah, and they're <laughs> also... Yeah, because they don't like... At this point, they don't like a lot of, like, stuff that may produce your thought of freedom. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to say that as, like, an anti-Chinese thing, but let's just be honest... They're communists, and they don't like individualism. Your job is to make everybody love Mother China or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I like South Korean movies. I like French movies. I like anything that's like more Western thought in modern era. So like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying just stuff that's appealing to you. Stuff that movies, you think is cool. Are any of those movies like those movies I named from like the past ten years? Are those like appeal to anybody? What? They've done terrible in box office. What? Like like Pacific Rim two fucking uh, Pacific Rim did great two two I haven't seen that one exactly yes yeah, what about what was Pacific Rim one was that different production company yeah it was like I didn't know they were more American like I think they were all American basically American production houses but you can just see the difference in the way that they're produced they're way brighter they're way they're more way like more, grandiose I get it. yeah. It's like, it's, they're trying to, like, this is what Americans like. Almost like it's coming out of, like, a machine. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It is a meal over there. They're like, take this out of the movie, take this out of the movie. Like, there's, they always talk about, like, a lot of the Marvel movies. There's different cuts for China. Because mm. they're like, we just a lot of the stuff that we, they're like, nah, uh, take that out. We don't like that. Yeah, and the government decides that. <laughs> So the government's yeah. like, no, that, and it's like, why would you want to take that out of a movie? What what purpose does that serve the people of China for you to say no? Yeah. That that's can't be in there. And, and to me, it's just like you don't want dissension. You don't want Hong Kong because Hong Kong is essentially like free thought. Mm-hmm. The University of Hong Kong is their way that they're raised is different. Like yeah. they're British inspired because I, of their British colony. There. Yeah, I was just watching movies, uh, Hong Kong. Three, actually, I watched yesterday. And that's what I was going to say next. I was like, you got to remember those movies that you're talking about, those Mm -hmm. Chinese-produced movies, Mm -hmm. are technically Western-inspired because they came out of Hong Kong during, like, the 60s and the 70s Mm -hmm. and the 80s. No, one of the ones I were watching were, like, late 90s, early 2000s. That's still, like, very Mm -hmm. British. Like, Hong Kong was still at the height of being Hong Kong. That's like Rush Hour 1 and 2, like, Mm -hmm. where it was still, like, Rush Hour 2, I think, that was still like r- Chinese produced, yeah. But it still had this American appeal. It was perfect, like you mm-hmm. know. But now it's like, you know, what it is now. It's just these dumb. They're going based off the algorithm from TikTok. That's what yeah. they're making their movies that, yeah, based that, off. Exactly. That's they're making their like. movies based off the algorithm from TikTok. That's trash. That just makes me mad. Yeah. Just thinking about TikTok in general makes you me know mad, what I'm so. saying, and that's a Chinese owned app. app. That's yeah, crazy. so it is just it just connects. Yeah, so that's I I wanted to that's a tangent. I wanted to just make sure I'm not anti Asian. Yeah, I'm anti Chinese produced movies though. <laughs> 
because they suck the creativity out of it. And it is one of the most annoying things. But talk going back to Snowpiercer. And that's why I like Snowpiercer because it, I don't mind putting, I don't like, I don't mind melding cultures together. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's a Korean movie where the fact that I don't view it as any type of thing like that, Mm -hmm. I can't say that it's a Korean movie. It's just, I like the movie. Yeah. I mean, that's how I view movies in general is like, I don't give a fuck about a political climate. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just watch the movie. Like I, but then it's just, it's always noticeable though. Sometimes. I like Bong Joon's whole Bong Joon Ho's. He seems to He doesn't it, overdo it with political. It's rarely I wouldn't even call his political. America does political, he does socioeconomic. And that's mm-hmm. not the everybody can get along with yeah. socioeconomics. Across the planet, everyone can say, like, oh yeah, these rich motherfuckers, like, what the fuck is your problem, dude? We sitting back here eating each other. Yeah. And y'all sitting up here eating fucking steak? We thought chickens were extinct yeah. and y'all have them just in a whole two train carts yeah it's, it's y'all can see outside you get sunlight yeah it's definitely socio-economic for sure he's heavy and like that. and that's that's, that's what not I mean. political it's like, and it's not even overly of that it's mm-hmm. just like you can still watch it face value exactly because you'll forget sometimes you're mm-hmm. like oh shit like because mm-hmm. i that's why i said like i said that i said this a few times on on the podcast of like i don't like viewing films like in a lens like of socioeconomics or just anything like serious you Mm -hmm. know like because that just ruins it for me it's like oh like whatever like i view it in shit that i like you Mm -hmm. know like snowpiercer i like for a certain reason parasite i like for a certain reason and just like i mean just bong joon ho in general of like how masterful of a storyteller he is and how he separates the acts in such like tasteful ways and he's not like rushing anything just the way he can write a film is is perfect so i'm glad you're getting into more foreign film i mean i guess snowpiercer isn't deeper into the foreign films but it's a start you know i like and i also like it because speak korean it just let me read Mm -hmm. but there's also that's why i think i mentioned that too i like that he has korean actors in there and they're speaking korean what do you so mean? It, I like the fact that it's like, oh, this dude, I, for some reason, it just hits better to me instead of just being an Asian actor with who's speaking like English. Like American movies do? Yeah, essentially. I like the fact that he's like, yo, speak Korean. And like Chris Evans and the dude are talking to each other. So mm-hmm. that means that they're, when they're acting, Chris Evans has to act like at least I can gather what you're fucking saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know... It shows the language barrier in humanity and how even then there's certain things that we understand. If I smack the shit out of you or Mm -hmm. if I'm yelling at you, pointing, and I'm saying these things, he didn't know what he was talking about with the chrono thing. Mm -hmm. He had no idea what he was saying, but he knew that he was trying to blow the fucking Mm -hmm. thing up. And those were the only two you've seen by Bong Joon-ho, right? What, Parasite and... I'm assuming not... What the other movies are there? I'm a, probably knowing me, I may have. He seen hasn't other, done a he hasn't done a grip, but he's yeah. done like a, a a pretty big handful of like. Knowing me, I would have probably seen other movies of his. That I, I know he's know. done Mother, The Host, Memories of Murder. I feel like I've seen Mother and The Host. Uh, Okja, that's a new one he did. 
Which is kind of like Snowpiercer, where it's like... Mother's about to day a kid, right? I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen all of his films. Uh, okay. I'm pretty sure that's it. Mother, but, uh, Ocha, The Host, Parasite, Memories of Murder. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I am, because of you, I do. I now, Once you told me what you're supposed to look for in cinematography, I understand mm-hmm. it now. Mm-hmm. Like... If, if like it can how? if it can stand as a picture on its own, it's great cinematography. Mm-hmm. And if you can take the character out, and it's still a great like looking mm-hmm. picture. So like Loki, great cinematography. That's great. The last episode, I'm telling you, you're gonna be like, oh my god, it's, that's shot. It's the best out of all the series they have. I yeah. don't have anything they have. Yeah, cinema. So has. like Bong Joon Ho cinematography and Snowpiercer. Fucking it's, it's, amazing. It's crazy. And Parasite, fucking amazing. Because if you took them out of the house shots, I would be like, I want to buy that house. Because it looks like Zillow pictures with, with people moving mm-hmm. around in them. It's like in cinematography, like for me, it's just one, like obviously lens choices and movement yes. and camera movement. And mm-hmm. and just like I said, like I'm, I like more sequences instead of like what people are doing and how like. Ever like they did like an open if an opening scene is like one take I'll be mm-hmm. like holy shit like there was no cuts at all you know what I mean yeah. just and how they were able to get away with that and actually execute it like that's just super fucking dope but but I remember like uh, when we first started recording the recording the podcast I showed you guys this movie uh, High and Low mm-hmm. by Akira Kurosawa and that movie the way like the character the character blocking was mm-hmm. of how like it's almost like Shakespearean like you're watching a play of like you can see every single person on the fucking screen and the way they're like when someone is done talking yeah they walk away but you can still see them like they're looking out the window and it's like Mm -hmm. so it that's my favorite cinematography of of all time yeah everybody has a hit and everybody has like I'm going to say this and we're all going to, there's a shot in high and low mm-hmm. where they all, they're on the phone talking about like the kidnapping or talking to the, the kidnapper mm-hmm. and they're trying to negotiate with him. And then they all sit down at the same time. And the way the camera goes down with them mm-hmm. is like, it's just fucking insane. Like that's a movie I can watch over and over and over again because high and low is, if you haven't seen it for the people listening, go watch it or at least go Google high and low uh, 1963, and then just look up cinematography. It's for or just Akira Kurosawa in general. Just go look him up because Akira Kurosawa, if you know of him or not, he's a huge inspiration to fucking everybody that's making movies since like the seven. Like he basically, if it wasn't for Akira Kurosawa, there'd be no Star Wars. Like that's how influential he is. Mm-hmm. That, I told you she loves that about that game. Battlefront? On Battlefront 2, when you're playing like the heroes versus villains, yeah. and then you choose Yoda, the camera literally, it doesn't go like above him or anything. Like It doesn't stay the same height as the taller and characters. he's just small? He's it just small. It goes down Yeah, so if you're BB-8, it goes even shorter, so you're just like, you just see the ground, basically. It's pretty funny, but... It's like a little, like, I don't know. I feel a like, point of view thing. Yeah. It's like, this is what Yoda sees. <laughs> Because every move you do, he has to jump. 
So it's like everything he does, he's like, huh? Oh, huh? even if you do like a strike. A he's strike, he's jump. jumping. He like jumps and does like a front flip. So he's never just like on the ground fighting. The only Star Wars game I really played when I was a kid was uh, the uh, episode three one for the PlayStation 2. The Star Wars episode, the Revenge of the Sith. There was a game for that? Yeah. I mean, it was like a... That's before I liked Star Wars, so... I fucking... When I was a little kid, that's when those movies were coming out. Mm-hmm. Episode one, two, and three. And that was my... Ver- I feel like that was my version of like kids growing up in the 80s of being like, holy fuck, this is Star Wars. Like, yeah, no, that, for sure. That was me with one, two, and three. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God. Just being obsessed with Star Wars, watching Attack of the Clones fucking over and over and over and over yes. again. I watched that millions of times. When we lived at Christown Manor, mm-hmm. we uh, I had a Revenge of the Sith poster. Literally, because me, remember we had bunk beds? Mm-hmm. And uh, literally, I, w- I had the bottom bunk, and I had the poster in between, like on the wall in between the beds. It was like the worst place for a poster, but I just thought it was cool. Because like, you would lay right next yeah, to it and be it, like... It was just cool to be... Yeah. And it, it was like a big like Darth Vader head with like yeah. everybody. It was sweet. And, um, but yeah, like playing that game, I remember uh, playing as Yoda. There was like a mode... It was like you know what remember you know in the Batman video games where it's just like you fuck there's like waves of people mm-hmm, and you just fight them. Mm-hmm. It was like that, but with like Star a lightsaber. Wars. And so we, uh, my brother would be really good at it, and I thought it was really hard. So yeah. I would be like, "Hey, you play it. I'll watch you." And he would just go to like wave fifty yeah, or something he would just like, like that. I'd be like, "Oh fuck!" Like just hyping him up. But that is true about the camera angles. I do notice that now when you like talk about camera movement, yeah, how it like uh, plays a psychological trick on you, mm-hmm. or like even just the other day I was watching uh, Jupiter's Legacy, mm-hmm. and one of the shots when they were doing the flashback, they took away the black bars, they moved them up in the flashback. Mm-hmm. So when they're in the show, is mm-hmm. that ratio, and then they open it up when he does a flashback. Yeah, there's they do a good job of uh, Wes Anderson does a good job of that in the the Grand Budapest Hotel. Love that movie, actually. He fucking, when they're in, I think it takes place in the 60s, 40s, and then 20s, but in each, like, when they're telling the story, like, in each decade, they have a different aspect ratio for each one. Mm-hmm. So, like, psychologically, you can tell it's a different time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't that's know. The, Grand Budapest Hotel, that's a funny movie, right? It's pretty funny, yeah. Yeah. I, it is. A, but I remember, I told it's Amanda. It's comedy. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. I, I remember watching, I was like, this is funny, but it isn't a comedy. It's like a dark comedy. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I was like, oh, there's a story because somebody got murdered. Like, yeah. So there's a story to this, but mm-hmm. the scene where he runs away. Yeah. That's like, like the so funniest part memorable. Yeah. It's just like. That's like such a, like, you'll remember that out of yes. anything else. And that's why I told the man, I was like, but. Speaking of another movie with cinematography, where it's psychologically, I'm like, I want to go to Budapest. Like, mm-hmm. well, sorry, yeah. Budapest. That's what she yeah. said on Black Widow. Budapest. You watched it? Yes. I haven't seen it yet. I've been putting it on. I'll watch it. Someday. You should. I, I've been wanting to watch it. I've Did been hyping it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how did you not watch it when you bought it? I don't know. <laughs> My dad bought it. And, oh, okay. And he watched it right away, but I was like. I'll put it off. We have it until like August something, until it comes out on everything else or something like that. I think, I don't think they take it away like HBO Max. It just comes out on everything else on August nineteenth. Oh, okay. You, but, we all can watch it now mm-hmm. up until yeah. So I'll watch it. <laughs> you already knew what was coming next. Rich nigga shit. Fuck wrong with you. 
<laughs> so just quick flex real right, quick. Right, just but, real quick from Mirror Access. Thank you. But uh we got a uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is another great set. I mean Wes Anderson, all his movies, but Grand Budapest stands out because I didn't know he did that. Really? I mean, but Wes Anderson that's his style. Like, literally how Grand Budapest looks where everything's symmetrical. And yes. That's, when you think, like, even for me, when I even hear the word symmetrical, I'm like, Wes Anderson. Because everything is the same. Like, everything mm-hmm. looks like it could be mirrored and it would be the same shot. But, which he has a, a new movie coming out in October 22nd called The French Dispatch. And I'm so fucking excited to see it. And um, that's when, in October, I'm going to be fucking living in the movie theater because... Every movie's coming out in October, and I'm fucking excited. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, with, but with Wes Anderson, but more specifically Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, color is another thing yes. in cinematography. Beautiful colors in Grand Budapest Hotel. Because I was just, I think it was last week or the week before, Menda came over, and uh, I was watching Moonrise Kingdom. And like all, it's another Wes Anderson movie, but it's all of... Just the way he uses color, like color palettes on like every shot is like so well calculated, and it's just like master. It's just masterful. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pink in Grand Budapest Hotel, mm-hmm. like pink, like a lot, a lot of, of bright colors. Yeah, love it, and it just makes me. It like remember the Florida Project? Yes. How they had the big purple apartment complex like that mm-hmm. reminded me of Wes Anderson, and there's a few shots they look like Wes Anderson esque. Right. And I'm like, holy shit, like, this movie is fucking good. Which, Sean Baker, the director of Florida Project, has another movie coming out called Red Rocket. And it looks pretty dope. I, there's a, it premiered at Cannes. Cannes was rec- last week, or this past Are week. Are you going to go next year? <sighs> Actually, you go to at least Sundance. Now, now that I have a, a year to, like, prep and go to Cannes. I mean, because I can't just go to Cannes. Like, you have to, like, get invited. But Can't you go to Sundance? I I think so. I haven't looked at. I only like Can to be honest, because that's where shit goes down. But but that's usually that's probably if it's that's how it is, and it's invite only. That makes sense. But mm. you got to start somewhere. You got to get those connections. I, like I want to go to a Phoenix one. That's, Make them people go to like uh, when you go to Sundance. They be like, oh, dude, yeah, I know somebody who can get you in the Can. You'll just meet somebody who's cool <laughs> like that. Yeah. And and once once we're in, once I'm in Can, I'm like I'm gonna bring Rob. I'm going to bring Menda, I'm going to bring Titi, and we're all going. We're all going to watch movies, and we're all going to fucking talk to everybody. I'm like, hey, I'm a musical composer. <laughs> and so, yeah. But anyways, Can is definitely on the bucket list. But anyways, uh, what were we talking about? Grand Budapest Hotel, high and, cinematography. Yes. High and low, Bong Joon-ho. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we got to watch Memories of Murder. You got to watch Memories of Murder, because eventually on this theme we're doing for now which it might be for a while because we're got to think of constant directors we're doing john carpenter now there'll be no end to this this could be the entire show yeah which i'm not mad at. every two weeks is perfect because there's no way you can run out of uh oh speaking of cinematography when we were talking about directors how to bring this up 2001 a space odyssey amazing cinematography that's Game that's game changing. When I was talking about like stills in my head, I was watching it today, and I still haven't finished it because I fall asleep every time. That that's literally like foundational. Yeah, it is like, amazing shots. Essential. Like, there's no getting better than that. No. And it came out in 1968. Amazing. That's insane. When the the shuttle is landing inside of that moon base, I'm like, that's such a like 
pre-Star Wars shot. Like, can like you, Star Wars definitely got isn't there. Isn't that crazy that that movie came out before both of us were born? Yeah. And that movie could have came out yesterday and it would hold up. Yeah, it's pretty fucking good. It's insane. Like, I, I, it's the acting insane. isn't terrible. I can't even. I even like the fucking uh, story. I just fall asleep because it's a really long movie and they talk like during the 60s. Yeah, yeah see? Yeah, That movie, you gotta <laughs> you gotta wait till they're maybe like sixteen. They were watching it though. That's how you know it's a good movie because they were like, I think sixteen. Wait, I stopped automatically. The maximum recording time has been reached. Oh, I didn't delete the old shit. Let me see. Pause. I didn't delete the old shit. That's my bad. That's my bad. That's my bad. Or did it go past the thirty minutes? No, it, it just said there's a maximum recording. Wait, wait, wait. Was that because? I think so. We didn't set a timer. Right. How far? Oh, we're 29 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right, that's right. I was about to say, this is 128 videos. All right. You can hit record. Ready? And. All right. What were we talking about? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Camera stop recording. Camera difficulties. We're just being candid. We're starting to stop trying to be professional. We're just going to be candid. Yeah, we're just The camera be... stop recording. Because editing that is a real fucking headache. Yeah. Trying to be like, oh, we're trying to be, you know. You guys fucking know. It's whatever. It's episode whatever. But yeah, yeah this platform we're on of, or platform? What is it? This whatever structure we're on of like directors every yes. two weeks. It's perfect. It's like that's that's not that's for every because new directors come out every day. Mm-hmm. By the time we get through twenty directors, that's a whole year. Yes, and so that's like a whole year. Like a new director can come out with a movie, and then we won't even fucking touch that. Mm-hmm. We'll watch that movie when it comes out, and then. Another movie will come out by the time we want to make a podcast about it. So that's why I said Jordan Peele has two movies. So that's literally like we could just knock him out. I want to do him next. Yeah, okay. I, I feel like Jordan Peele. I wanted to do him first, but I wanted to make it special to where we do John Carpenter as our mm-hmm. first director. But Can you tell the people why the director is more important than say we do like an actor or a basically just an actor? Because the actor, this is just me. Right, mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is what it is. Because some people don't understand, I'm, not to cut you off, some people don't understand how important, we've talked about it, like the conductor comparison, but mm. could you I, just explain maybe a director's role and why we go by that? I'm not of? taking anything away from the actors. Mm-hmm. Because what you guys think of the actor, what people think the actor is the most important or whatever, that can be true. Because mm-hmm. you can't just get any other actor... And put them in, you know, fucking once upon a time in Hollywood. Like, you can't replace Leonardo DiCaprio. But the director is most important because, I mean, if they're a writer-director like Quentin Tarantino or Bong Joon-ho, like, you can't just replace them. Like, uh, like some characters are for a certain actor, like, written for a certain actor. Like, in Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino was literally almost, like, didn't have Pulp Fiction made because... Uh, Miramax didn't want John Travolta to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. so But he was like, no, I wrote this for John Travolta. John Travolta is the only person that's going to play this. And so, but then obviously he got the role. But I view the actor as like a color in the painting. Like it's just 
like because filmmaking in general is the most collaborative art form out there so the actor is just a part a piece of the puzzle it's there's like so much more to it than just the actor but as an audience member all you see all you pay attention to is what the actor is saying and how they're saying it but it's almost like it's almost like making music where it's like once you know how music is made you kind of pay attention to everything else but like if you're just a random kid that goes on SoundCloud and listens to a song you're kind of like hey this shit is kind of hard which it could be like it's whichever way makes You can tell why a movie slaps and why yeah. other people it's that thing. That's and I was going to say you're right movies are the most collaborative art form mm-hmm. and then second is probably music mm-hmm. because like, that's why like like whatever way that makes you think a movie is good, that's what you need to look at movies at. Like that's the way you need to look at movies. But for me, being an aspiring film feature film director and wanting to like win a fucking Oscar one day, then like the director is more important because they're the fucking captain of the ship. They're the everything. They're the just like the conductor. They're they tell the actor what to do. But because if it doesn't land a certain way, like even like a director can talk shit to Leonardo DiCaprio and Leonardo talk Leonardo DiCaprio will be like, okay, mm-hmm. like I'll do it different. Like there's no like I mean some actors are like I'm gonna do it my way kind of thing, which are the shittiest actors. Yes. Which Marlon Brando did that. He's one of the greatest actors of all time. But he always he was known for like changing shit while performing. But there's actors like Lakeith Stanfield and like Daniel Day Lewis who are just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Lakeith Stanfield is the best actor out in movies right now. There's no better actor. I can't disagree with you. Because it's him. I'm literally like, this sounds like I'm riding his dick, but he is up there with Leonardo DiCaprio of his, like outstanding acting. There's no role where he's unforgettable. When I saw him after I saw Dope, Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's that gangster dude from uh, Dope. Mm-hmm. And I was like, because I like, I remember in Dope, it was a part of me that I was like, I don't like this guy playing this role. But every time I watched it, I would remember his role. Mm-hmm. He's He was kind of like Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger, where it's kind of like has to grow on you. Because you can tell that Keith is a pretty like nice dude, probably yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. he He's like, I mean, the first time I heard of Lakeith Stanfield was uh, Darius in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, ever since then, I was obsessed. I was just like, he's so fucking good. And like, and seeing, and the reason, like, how I found out about Uncut Gems was because I was like, oh, Lakeith Stanfield's gonna be in Mm -hmm. something. And then obviously I saw it and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm in love with everybody that's involved with this. You should probably see Dope. Have you seen Dope? Yeah. Okay, I'm about to say, it's like everybody from that movie, that's one of those movies where it's maybe that'll become a cult classic. Because a mm. lot of people yeah. took off from that movie. Shamik Moore. Yeah, Shamik Moore. He isn't doing good movies, but he is a great actor. Yeah, he he did. I don't when they, I don't know any movies. He did uh, the he Get did, Down on Netflix. He did Spider Man, the new Spider Man. The Spider Man, but it's like you got to give him that shit. Like people he, love. He's that the voice, movie. but it's like. Still, Into the Spider-Verse is great. Right. You got to remember, we've talked about it. Voice acting is very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. But as far as, like, Shameik Moore being an actor. He's a great actor. He's, and the, he also makes music. 
That is yeah. outstanding. Yeah, he does make really good music. Uh, Kelsey Clemens, the chick from Dope, she does a lot of stuff mm-hmm. now. Everybody, Wasn't she in Midsummer? Midsummer? Uh, Chelsea. Kelsey Clemens? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. She was in one of those A24 movies. Probably. But uh, <laughs> she was in, also in that movie that was whatever on Netflix. But anyway, and then... Uh, their other friend. Yeah, Lakeith Stanfield was in that movie. Lakeith Stanfield is, is I, I, he's just great. He's top three actors for sure. Out right now, for sure. Like, he needs to be. I can't think of anybody that I would think is, because Daniel Kaluuya. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking great actor, too. Yeah. And he did uh, the chairman, Chairman Fred Hampton. Uh, Fred Hampton. I said that weird. Mm-hmm. But uh, he did Get Out, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's what fucking made him a superstar. Yeah. And uh, he was just in something else. He was in Black Panther as mm-hmm. like a... He was kind of in Black Panther. He was pretty in Black Panther. But like, you know what I mean? He played a pivotal role. But like, he wasn't in it enough to be like Daniel Kaluuya. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, us as Daniel Kaluuya fans. Yo, okay, like, I see what you're saying. But yeah. like, anybody... Somebody outside of it wouldn't be like his role was No like, one remembers Daniel Kaluuya yeah, from You Black remember Okoye before you remember him. Yeah, like there's no like... I can agree. You know what I mean? Because I loved him as a Border Tribe member, especially saying that they were married in the movie. I mm. love that as that little side story, yeah. essentially. Like, as, as that, it's, it's cool seeing him in there, but, like, mm-hmm. he didn't have the biggest role in fucking Black Panther. No. But it was just cool seeing him. And uh, I just bought Get Out because I know we're doing uh, uh, Jordan Peele next. Mm-hmm. But what we're, should we get into? Absolutely. Should we get into the next? So... I'm definitely putting in time marker for for this. Um, we're doing. We're gonna start our review on John Carpenter's 1981 film. Yes. Uh, Escape, Escape from, from New, New York. York. Yes. Not L.A. Which we'll talk about. Too. Is that a that a sequel? Yeah. Oh, okay. Not a not a good one. But for <laughs> good reason, though, it's not a good one. So let's get let's get it started. Uh, uh, I guess what I have to to start off saying is one of the top five concepts for a movie of all time. Super ahead of its time. Definitely. Just being like, it could, it's literally a movie you can sell to someone in one sentence. Yes. Like if someone's never heard of it, you'd be like, hey, New York City is a prison and uh, he's got to save the president. Like would, would you not watch that movie if, if someone just described it like that? Like that? Is super ahead of it. I time. found it funny that to that they said New York City is a prison, but it was really only Manhattan. Yeah. So I was like, there's like four other boroughs, but whatever, man. At least you didn't pick like the black boroughs. Manhattan mm-hmm. to pick as the place of crime, mm-hmm. that shows that Wes Craven was like, I know not Wes, that's not Carpenter. Wes, John Carpenter. I'm sorry. He fucking uh, understood mm-hmm. like Manhattan at the time, so he could make it a. I mean, New York City in general was in a shit place. Yeah, in the at the, especially. Well, I mean, it's still not out of the shit place it is in now, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, as in cinema, yes, it definitely at the time in the eighties. Oh the, my god, the late seventies, early eighties of uh, fucking New York City was a shithole, and it you can just feel like watching Taxi Driver. Yes, you're like, I mean, because I have like. Uh, a weird like theory of like because the movie takes place in 1997 mm-hmm. so like for them to be in 1981 or it was written in like the mid 70s 
John Carpenter wrote it, but then the movie was off, obviously came out in eighty one, mm-hmm. and they were like nineteen ninety seven. This yeah. is what shit's gonna be. Well, like. they said nineteen eighty eight is when shit rose to four hundred. Pre- I told him, man, I was like, Jesus Christ! I said, <laughs> in nineteen eighty eight, crime rose four hundred percent. I was like, so people were just getting murdered on the street. They were like, wait, so eighty one? That's sixteen years. So sixteen years from now, what is that? 16 years. 1981 to 1997. When the movie came out to when the movie takes place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you were talking about the setting. Sorry. Because it was set in 1988. When the crime rose, that was the first part. And then it said, now the movie's set in in 1997. Yeah, I'm talking about now. You're talking about 81 till 1997. 2021. Okay, okay, okay. To 2037. What do we think that's going to be like? You know what I mean? About the same. Of like, we'll still be seeing the effects of coronavirus. Then you think so? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I never really thought about it, but I guess that I think Arizona is one of the. It's one of those things you kind of have to like go certain places. Like go to Detroit, and you can be like, dude, they're still recovering from shit from the sixties. Yeah. Go to like Texas or like South Dakota or these places where like there was booming industry and then it was just dried up all of a sudden. Yeah. You'll see that. Still in 2037, for sure. But, like, exaggerated from 1981 to 1997, which in the the Japanese release, I made, I do graphic design, and I made a Japanese poster of Escape from New York a while ago. And in Japan, the movie is called, literally titled New York City 1997. It's not even called Escape from New York. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I just thought that was funny. But... Get to the point. <laughs> but uh, Escape from New York, top five concept. I can't name another four. But probably because they didn't want Escape out there like that. Yeah, probably. Like, we ain't going <laughs> but, um, and then also talking about the movie, um, I, I like how they get right to the point. Because for me, it's like, oh, New York City is a prison. Like, I wonder if you can, like, try to like break out or whatever but in the beginning of the movie they're like no they let you know everything you can't break out you get shot if you try to we gonna kill you yeah they so get people, right to these the point. people who are in here they live in their own city because there's always, always people watching they're they're like ah oh, they should try to escape but no they fucking tried right there like can't you fucking... get out this way like no there's no chance <laughs> they walled the city in and i just like how it's there's no security there's no anything. Mm-hmm. They just let them There's live. There's prisons like that in the world. Like, they just let them live in this society. I was just, just like... They created themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is fine. I, I, I like that more than spending money on mm-hmm. like We should just do that guards. with Tucson. We just be like, hey... <laughs> this is a penal colony. Give them like. Tucson and uh, we'll be all right. Yeah, whatever you make of it, that's what you're choosing. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they'll be like, okay. Once you go in... Like, every prisoner, like, oh, you're going to Tucson, bro. Not even prison. You're just going to Tucson. You treated like that place off the one where they sent <laughs> fucking Jet Li to the penal colony dimension where you're like, mm-hmm. you're just a planet full of prisoners. Like, this is where y'all live now. <laughs> so, like, that's just how it should be because fuck Tucson. I'm just going to say it right here. Whoa, dude. I didn't say that, guys. I didn't say that. I know that people from there. boring. I know people from there. I would never say if that. you go to U of A? If you knew people from there, I don't think you would say that either. Anyways, <laughs> shout out Tempe. But Whoa. Escape from New York uh, is dope. 
which is what the that's the premise of this whole fucking podcast episode. But anyways, my favorite scene is probably towards the beginning when he goes when he's uh, Saint Pliskin first gets there and he goes into like the burlesque like party the show mm-hmm. and you just see how like fucked like weird this place is like. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just, like, shit, you wonder, like, what's going on in there? But, like, of all things, like, he runs into, like, this weird room, like, this, you know, this weird place. Then you know that no matter what society it is, it's going to be titties. <laughs> and, like, uh, fucking Isaac Hayes as, Love like, it. the Duke yeah. is, like, just, like... So this, fitting. It's the most, like, it was what the fuck movie. It was, like slightly racist but not too much it was like his whole motorcade didn't have the chandeliers but the fact that his car had chandeliers mm-hmm. i was like that's very early 80s isaac hayes-esque yeah it was almost very, like, black it was almost black exploitation but they didn't go all the way there. they just made that character yes like, his car was like everybody else's was very like post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. post-apocalyptic yep. cars <laughs> Oh, we didn't even get to the fucking first question. What was it like? Oh, you've never seen it before. No. But what did you like? What were your thoughts on it? Did you answer that? What it was like watching well, the, first the first time for time? me watching it? I should say, well, like the first time I seen it, I think I was like not. I was not that long ago. It was maybe like two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, the I guess the start of me really getting into movies, because I started getting into film in like twenty seven when I saw Get Out in theaters. For yeah. Like, like when it first came out, that was like twenty seven, early twenty seventeen when that came out, and that's when I was like, "Holy shit!" That changed film in general for mm-hmm. me. And then ever since then, it's just I've been watching movies differently, and then watching more and more movies. And uh, when I saw this for the first time, what I got from it was like, literally making movies is like you have a blank canvas. And you can make it as weird as you want. You can come up with the craziest concepts. As long as you do it tastefully and as long as you lean into it. Don't half-ass, like, escape from New York. Like, the reason why this movie is still good is because John Carpenter went all out with, like, just how wild this story is. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know. And also, this movie made Kurt Russell a fucking superstar. Like, this is Mm -hmm. what made him what we know now like this was the fucking dawn because before he was like a disney guy he was just he was like known as that guy in disney movies really and then yeah and so that's why like when this movie was being made uh john carpenter was pushing for kurt russell but the uh, producers were like no why the fuck would you want kurt russell in here it was like the entire time he was just like this fucking he was a fucking action hero mm-hmm. with the fucking eye patch and he talked like a fucking action Speaking hero. Speaking of which, my sorry to just throw <laughs> the whole thing, but you brought it up. His fuck the one thing my biggest note that I had of the entire movie, I was like, is his eye patch real, or is it just like an aesthetic thing for him to be mm. snake uh, Pliskin? I was like, I just want to know what the. I was like, you gonna get into? You gonna say what happened? That's just- that's a good that's a good point you bring up, that of his origin. Yeah. Is that they don't. Mm-hmm. You don't wonder why is this guy in prison? Why is this? They just fucking. You get just know right he's some it. kind of like, special forces like, oh, dude. We you were dead. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why the fuck do you think he's that? Like, I love that of just like the mystique. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. of of Snake Plissken. Yeah. That's fucking. That's another. It thing. didn't bother me that I didn't know about right, him. When he popped up with the fucking snake on his stomach. I was like, fucking badass. Like it's he's the ultimate badass. Mm-hmm. Probably top five badasses of all time. I can't name another. Like he's just that cool. But it's almost corny. But it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It was very. It was very eighties action yeah. star esque. Like I his think, voice. I think that's the first modern action movie, like. That's the fucking dawn of it. Yeah, for sure. And because after I thought you said at one point you didn't consider that an action movie. No, the thing is not an action movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but, he did way more action than Escape from New York. Yeah, this is a fuck. This is the epitome. Even though of a lot of movie. shots, I saw the thing. In his face, I was like, "Yeah, you're still Kurt Russell in the thing." Mm-hmm. Like, the flamethrower came to mind <laughs> when he had the gun. I yeah. was like, "That's the Kurt Russell right. face." Like, he's for sure, like, going all out. He's he's ultimate Kurt Russell. He's Kurt Russell, yeah. But John Carpenter, I mean, this was in his zone of like he was in his bag for putting out Halloween, mm-hmm. then putting out the mm-hmm. fog. Fucking then this and then the thing a year later. Yeah. Like he He was pushing it. He was going in because he wrote it around the same time Halloween was coming out. Mm-hmm. And so um I feel like the producers are like, Okay, you came out with this, you came out with this, you came out with this. What do you have next? And I feel like with the, he was ready. He was like, I I got this one idea and then fucking went all out like I'm surprised how they got away with it, of him being, like, an independent filmmaker and then, like, his first uh, ambitious film was, like, this, of mm-hmm. grand scale of making New York City, like... I mean, granted, like, they probably only shot on, like, one block. Or it was probably a set, you know what right. I mean? But st- anyway, it's still... How they let him get away with it was pretty fucking dope. And then, obviously, after fucking with the thing... He's just, it's just, this was a pillar of the success of John Carpenter. Yes, and that's for sure. why I, I chose, can see why. That's why I chose this one, is because... It was, I could see a lot of, like, I could see a lot of influence on modern movies from this movie. Mm-hmm. And not, uh, again, now that you, if you ask me the question again of, like, what's your favorite New York movies, I would put that in there now. Mm-hmm. That's why I want you to watch more movies, because it's like, there's so many, like, even the movies don't even realize they're in New York City, you're like... Oh, yeah, I can count it kind of thing. I think it's because this movie made it, like, they kept telling you they were, like, in New York. Like, they kept, like, pointing out the fact that New York was bad. So it was like, okay. And then the World Trade Center shot, of course, will always, like, Mm -hmm. that's how, that's why when you ask me about those movies, I automatically go to movies that have the World Trade Center Mm -hmm. in it. If it's, like, after that, it's kind of like, I don't know that it... Like, there's a lot of still, like, those indie hippie shows and movies. Yeah. They're all set in, like, Brooklyn and Harlem and shit yeah, like that. Dope. There's a lot of good, I mean, fucking uncut gems. Yeah. Like, like that's a fucking great fucking movie. That literally yeah. takes place on the Diamond District. The Diamond, but that's such a, like... N- n- like, you have to know about New York, kind of. Yeah. New York culture to know about Diamond District. Mm-hmm. This movie was like Even like Home Alone Two was like Joker. Lost in New York like that's the name of the title. Joker is Joker was actually really fucking good for like a timepiece. Yes, and like obviously I don't fucking know anything about New York City, but I heard like on a from Todd Phillips saying that like there's a like in certain scenes in certain places he's going like. And in, in some scenes he's taking the bus, and other scenes he's taking the train, and other mm-hmm. scenes he's taking a cab. 
And it's like for certain reasons because of where things are. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, I guess if there was a movie in Phoenix about that. Like, but you always, everybody's always known Gotham City was New York. Mm-hmm. It's always been like, you just knew the comparison. Mm-hmm. And But with Joker specifically, I mean, if you've ever seen King of Comedy or Taxi Driver, Joker is not an original movie. Mm-hmm. Because if you literally watch King of Comedy, the same, it's the same fucking movie. But, uh, like, almost seen, like, shot for shot, it's the same movie. But Joker was, it's a very well thought out uh, interpretation of the Joker. Mm-hmm. Like, and also Joaquin, like, let alone Joaquin Phoenix yes. being a great Joker. He's just Joker. a fucking weirdo himself. He's a great fucking actor. Yeah. I love him. His Oscar speech with, uh, for winning for the Joker was, like, super, I, I don't know, like, him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was just super cool. How, like, he was like, oh, yeah, thank you for the Oscar. And then he went on, like, a tangent about the environment and how we're killing this world on our own. <laughs> I was like, this is fucking awesome. And he was just like, yeah, fuck this. Uh, this is why I'm famous now. And But seeing a lot of, like, my favorite people, seeing them, I literally go on YouTube to uh, watch certain people's uh, Oscar speeches of, like... Uh, Charlie, like Charlie Kaufman, I'm 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 on a fucking binge of Charlie Kaufman right now, and he won a best original screenplay for Eternal, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, mm-hmm. and uh, watching his uh, Oscar speech where he won, and then he literally got on stage, and he started counting down like the the timer they show the people. He's like 29, 27, 28, and he was just like, I don't want to be on stage right now. I don't want to be here. Uh, this is cool. <laughs> like it was just super. Like just some the way he views the Oscars is how I view the Oscars. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah, it's a fucking honor, but it's like I really don't want to be here. I don't like anyone here, kind of thing. Like you're all. Pro- <laughs> that's why when you, I think you've mentioned the Oscars maybe in a previous episode, mm-hmm. and like how I said my disdain for them, kind of like the Grammy board is like a lot of them are like. Uh, I've heard podcasters describe them not as vultures, but you're like, you're the untalented people. Like, you're the people yeah. who couldn't act. The producers. You're the producers. You're the, like, casting director. You're the, all of you mm. wanted at some, most people, most of you wanted to be something in Hollywood. Yeah. A lot of them are people who are just like, oh, that'll sell. That'll or you make went, money. Or you went to fucking, like, college. They're not trying to make art. Yeah, you went to acting school and maybe it didn't work out acting, but you can say, I have a degree in this, so you yeah. can do the office work of a person at yeah. a movie studio. And now you think that you know because you have a master's in acting yeah. or something like that. And I'm not saying you don't, but there's a part of me that's always like, a lot of you are jaded by your own failures. Mm-hmm. And that's why I would understand going to an Oscar and being like, yeah, I don't really... You guys are like kind of like the failures. Like I, can't relate, like, I can't relate to anybody here. Yeah, because I won and you didn't. So uh, mm-hmm. bye. I have work to go do. So like just seeing that kind of shit from like and even like the beauty of it, like seeing Barry Jenkins win best direct or best picture for Moonlight, and you're like, holy shit! Like look what they did. Like seeing an independent film win best picture, like it's almost like a sign of hope. Mm-hmm. You're like, f- they fucking did it. Like, but is that the industry plant version of? Movies? Are there is there that in movies? No. Industry plants? Mm, no. Not that go to the Oscars. There's definitely just popular movies that come out that are pushed, like advertised to watch. 
but none that win awards really. Like there's one, there's no like Sundance. Like oh yeah, that movie was won the De- Sundance, but it was like backed by like fucking Universal or something. Definitely not a uh, film festivals. Don't do that. That like that's for sure. But uh, would like I said when with Moonlight winning. Me, I remember me and my brother were like, holy shit, like, it was just such a win for everybody. Mm-hmm. We're like, I don't know, like, if you're a filmmaker and you're listening to this, you know that feeling of what I'm talking about, of like, holy shit, Moonlight won. And then after that, you see, I mean, even the 2016 Oscars in general, of seeing all the films that were nominated, I can't name them off the top of my head, but like, seeing those... And being like, holy shit, like, this is, is this what cinema, like, this is the the Push. chapter mm-hmm. of, like, this is what cinema is. Or it's is. flipping back. It made, because I don't think, it, there, they say that there's cycles of, like, I'm pretty sure you remember years where you're like, how the fuck are these movies winning? Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? But this might be another flip of, like, okay, we're going back to, like, people, people got sick of the, mm-hmm. the tomfoolery. Yeah, because I know, uh, uh, Fucking movies now are that are nominated. The the past nominated though we recorded an episode, the Brothers and a Brother mm-hmm. episode, while the Oscars were going on. Mm-hmm. Was that that episode? Yes. And uh, while the Oscars were going on, and I remember I've seen every movie, and yes. I was like, like this movie's gonna win, this movie's gonna win. This you were very win. happy about the nominees, and I was just like, holy shit, all these movies that are like coming out. But like with 2016, like that was one to watch with La La Land, and. Uh, uh, the, Revenant. M- the Revenant, Moonlight, uh, oh, The Shape the of Water. <laughs> what else was on there? The Revenant, boy. Creed, Sylvester Stallone winning Ooh. Best Supporting Actor. Creed, man. Ooh. I never saw it, but I bet you it was good. Oh, Ooh, Steve Jobs. That Steve Jobs movie definitely deserved. Oh, hold on. I'm, th- I'm thinking 2017 Oscar. Oh, nice. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Slappers. 2017 Oscars. 2017 Oscars, I should be saying. Yeah, Moonlight, La La Land, Arrival, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures. La La Land, Arrival. Fences. Ooh. Manchester that was a by the sla- Sea. Y'all saying some slappers, boy. Like, like seeing that in the Oscars was like, okay, this is movies. Because those were, this is, to me, even for me, those were... Jack. Those were good movies for even like, me. Yeah, like that, like, like it's just, it was crazy seeing all that. But obviously there's been some years where it's like, how the fuck did that win Best Picture kind of thing? But you're like, boo. The like, there was a, a hint of like, oh, they're going to give Chadwick Boseman Best Actor in this past one. But they didn't, which he did have an outstanding performance you in, in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But I was like, he doesn't deserve. I was so afraid of them giving it to him because mm-hmm. it's like there's so much better performances out there. But I did watch Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I was like, I mean, he might win that <laughs> shit. But like, this shit is pretty <laughs> damn good, bro. Because Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was a uh, uh, play, right? And so when you watch it, you're like, you're like, okay, you know, like I can see how it is because Moonlight is a play. But that's different because Moonlight is a play that was never performed on stage. No one's ever seen it live. Like It's just written as a play. But then when you watch, it was the only time it was ever performed was the fucking movie we have. Mm-hmm. So it technically... It's even presented kind of play-ish. Mm-hmm. It's literally separated into acts. Like 
Act One, Act Two, Act Three. I even think remember the poster for it. I'm like, oh, that's very mm-hmm. like yes. for a play. Like, yeah, they split fold, it up. Like, pit, like poster. Yeah, they mm-hmm. split. There's three different posters of like him when he was seven, seventeen, and twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. And like just and Moonlight. I remember. We're not even talking about Escape from New York. Right. I was like, <laughs> how did we get on Moonlight? But uh, Moonlight is great. Ten out of ten. Go watch. We're talking it. about Oscar. That's how you got on Moonlight. So Escape from New York. The score. What did you think about the score? Nothing memorable. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. It's not that it wasn't memorable. That was fucking the opening. Dun 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 dun. dun. That shit. It like oh my God. that so shit gets my fucking like chills fucking going. Eighty years long. Of fucking white tech. <laughs> I think that's why I was like nothing memorable. It's not that it's not memorable. I literally finished watching when the first time I watched it. I was like, I need to fucking download. Yeah, no, I like. I, was like, I, I was, like his horror scores better. My mind was blown away by the score the first time I heard it. And yeah, no, it wasn't. To me, it wasn't like anything. It was John Carpenter. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely him. It had. I was like, oh, it's not bad, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't Halloween. It wasn't. No, his horror scores just slap way better. The one mm-hmm. you showed me, or even just his like more like dystopian ones. Yeah, like he, like he, uh, John Carpenter in general. That's why I said last episode, like how he's a multifaceted person. He's a genius, really. Mm-hmm. And maybe I, the scene with the when they were driving away in the car that they stole. Mm-hmm. I kind of I don't remember the music, but I was like, oh, I kind of like this John Carpenter score mm-hmm. in this scene. I love my favorite is the the one I always go back and listen to is the opening. The opening titles. Well, you mean when you heard a whole fucking song back in the day? <laughs> That's one of my notes. Is like Jesus Christ. Back in the day, this is where black people got like you can be late to a movie from. Because yeah. back in the day, the, the previews where they were basically movies back in the day with the polar bear and the cap that comes up dancing, and he's like, there would be like a whole fucking show, mm-hmm. and then you have like five minutes of intro into a movie back then. Mm-hmm. So you had like a fifteen minute window to like get your snacks. Even leave late from your house if you wanted to back in the day. Mm-hmm. Now I'm starting to realize, like, oh, no, you can't do that no more. The movie's starting, yeah. like... They're like, we're going to show one preview, and then we're starting the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and then even, like, credits to movies, like, more blockbuster hits. is like, these are the producers. Okay, we'll get into the it credits at the end of the, the movie. It also depends on the film of, like... Whether they just have the credits rolling as the movie's going on mm-hmm. and shit like that. I like that. I don't mind that either when there's, like, the movie starting and you're, like... Or even just give me some shots. But this was, like, credits and music. And I was like, fucking Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. But going back to, like, how John Carpenter being a genius, which why we're doing this is because I want to give him his flowers while we're while he's still here mm-hmm. with us. And I don't want to... I don't want it to be unfortunate to where he passes away, and then we do. Like, let's watch John Carpenter. Like, like no. I want to do it now, just because he's one of the best, one of my favorite directors of all time. But he's a genius because he literally, when he he makes solo music, and it's for it, what his music is themes for movies, like theme songs for movies that don't exist. And he's just like, what he does is he thinks of like a concept of a film. And makes a like a, a a title track, like a main theme song, and is like, okay, I'm gonna make a theme song and then put it on an album. And he does that like 13 times and then puts out uh, an album. And the name of he has like a trilogy. He has three albums and they're called Lost Themes. Mm-hmm. There's like Lost Themes and Lost Themes Two and Lost Themes Three. 
And uh, it's just like it's genius how the way he operates like in his creativity. So, but this for me is like the score in general, like top five, if not top ten scores of all time. Like to, to me, it's just insane mm-hmm. how good it is. And I mean, it's like like Mendes said, it's a John Carp, it's John Carpenter yeah. for sure. Like, oh, that slaps. To me, it wasn't. I was I liked it. Don't get me wrong, but it, to me, it wasn't anything that was like super, like holy shit, John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing had more notable scoring to. You I like so? music, I like music that that like makes me. I don't want to say makes me feel uncomfortable. How much can you put me in the mood with your music? Because that's what I was thinking about during the movie was kind of like people forget how much like music came before like any other art that exists Mm -hmm. next to painting. Music came before that, if I'm not mistaken. You know what I'm saying? Like people Mm -hmm. banging drums. yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it is one of those things where I like when you can put my brain, I guess why I said the scene when they, like it, it made me anxious kind of when mm-hmm. the music came on, when they were getting away in the station wagon. That's what, remember they had the station wagon yeah. with brain and Melinda, whatever her name was. Yeah. That's the scoring. I remember is that he was like, mm-hmm. go, I remember him saying like, go down this street. They're going to be on this street in five minutes. If you don't go this way. So that's how I knew the scoring in that scene was kind of like, Oh, you got me in like, and kind of when uh, Duke was showing up, yeah. I kind of liked it. But I don't, I kind of like how you, it was still John Carpenter, but still kind of like funky. It's a little underscore. Yeah. It's not as overscored as exactly. like movies now. Yes, Lee, exactly. Because what like, what are some of your favorite scores? Like off the top of your head. Doesn't have to off be the top ranked. of my head. It doesn't head. have to be ranked or nothing, but like, what are just some uh, scores that stand out Insidious, to you? Insidious, top for me. Like, mm-hmm. When I think of music that has set the tone, it is insidious for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halloween. Yeah, iconic. For yeah. Sure. Uh, That's like essential fuck. scores. Interstellar, I love. Not Interstellar, Ad Astra. Ad I Astra. loved Ad Astra. Ad Astra score. is crazy. And then anything Ludwig Gorenson. I love yeah, Ludwig I'll, Gorenson. I'll, I'll give that. Anything Ludwig Gorenson, I'm like, I'm fucking there, bro, because you're a goddamn genius. Yeah, literally. Like him doing Tenet, like, like, like the thing and uh, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, Twenty Forty Nine, anything Hans Zimmer and Blade yes. Blade Runner, the, the original Van, Vangelis doing Blade Runner. Thank it, you. That's like top three scores I'd say, and uh, Tenet, Good Time, and uh, Uncut Gems are both great scores. They make me anxious. If you can put me even funny movies, like your scoring has to be kind of funny, like. Mm-hmm. I don't like when they just put hip hop tracks on in comedy movies or like a pop track or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Like, quit copping out, bitch. <laughs> like, everybody knows that fucking song. And so, but like, I'd say this de- Escape from New York is like top 10 scores. And then, what else can I think? Like you said, Ludwig Gornson doing uh, uh, Black Panther. The Black Panther score, when I saw his breakdown of how he thought about that. Mm-hmm. And Mandalorian. <sighs> oh. 
doing the Mandalorian score. Do you know what I'm talking about? I like people that you for when you start to watch certain movies. I'm like, Ludwig did this too. Oh, yeah. he did this too. Like then you realize that and the score the, is hard. Him doing Junkie XL, I like Junkie XL because he did when he did the Creed score. Yes, of where when you listen to the score, like on Apple Music, you hear the like as the drums. You're like this dude is fucking crazy. You know, I got to say it, Avengers, the little fucking I just like actually every Marvel movie, their score is. Pretty fucking amazing. But Avengers Endgame, hands down, the score for that movie is like, they. I don't know what they did differently, but when you can hear a song by itself and you get goosebumps from like mm-hmm. the, I would listen to the Portal song mm-hmm. by itself off of the score album, mm-hmm. and I'm like, holy shit, like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I'm getting goosebumps again. I, the, what does that for me is Blade Runner 2049, when yes. Hans, Hans Zimmer... Doing twenty forty nine, but he had help on that, so you gotta give Junkie XL his credit too. Mm-hmm. And like Junkie XL the, brought that futuristic, the, yeah. I was about to say the like amount of synthy. like gritty, like making something futuristic, but also gritty. That was genius of him to enlist somebody like Junkie XL because mm-hmm. he does a lot of like synthy. Because I I was just thinking of like, first of all, with the original Blade Runner having Vangelis do the score. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to make a sequel... Evangelist is just God-level It's, like, he's, he's, like, beyond... He's, like, a godfather yeah, of, of sense, for sure. absolutely. And, it, like, I he's was just... He's up there with Moe, for sure. And I was thinking, like, if anybody is going to do a score, like, who would you get? And, obviously, you would get Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the king of scores to, to get on it with... I would at least... You know what I would say, honestly? I'm not saying he is out of touch. I would definitely go Ludwig or Junkie XL for you mm-hmm. because of, like, even just, like, the playlist you made for me. Like, these are the songs that I like. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you like you see that they feel cinematic to you. Mm-hmm. You, I feel There's like a, yeah. enlisting somebody like a more classical person like Hans Zimmer, mm-hmm. but still getting just, a, like, Metro Boomin to work with him yeah. would be your score. That would score. be a crazy score, yeah. Because as far as uh, Hans Zimmer being able to understand and to tell a story through the score, is, is that's why what he did with Interstellar was, was insane of, like, what he was able to do. Yeah, and, for the Pirates of the Caribbean, too. Mm-hmm. Amazing score. For Pirates of the Caribbean. Absolutely. Amazing score. And, um, that, I mean, everyone fucking remembers Pirates of the Caribbean. And, yeah, I think he did The Lion King. And uh, the cartoon one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, John Carpenter doing scores. He's made some of the most iconic ones. Like, uh, the Halloween. Halloween. Like, there's no topping that. Yeah. Like, you hear that, and you're like, oh, Michael Myers, Halloween. Like, there's no... That no topping that. Of just the season of Halloween. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to... Like, what should we put over this horror, you know, commercial? You're going to, uh, like, at least think of also the, the Halloween theme. Yeah, like the rights he has, he has to have. Who did the score for Space Odyssey 2001? Uh, fuck. Because I don't know, actually. watching that movie... It's it very made, classical. It made every... Watching any of those movies... Name a director again, please. I'm Stanley still, Kubrick? Stanley, Kub, Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick. I'm still trying to get my directors <laughs> down. Uh, Stanley, because I wanted to say Wes Craven for some reason. You want? We'll do Wes Craven one day, dude. Yeah, I know. Well, if, if we do, 
if we do Wes Craven, yeah, we got to get down like on some Halloween directors. Wes Craven, that'll come in October. Yeah, I don't know why I keep wanting to say because I would probably love all We could probably movies. do Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street, right? <sighs> Scream. Anyway, because I'm nerd out over that fucking movie. I haven't seen that movie in a minute, so that'll be a yes, great It'll be a episode. great rewatch. I'll always watch two for some reason because I just like seeing Jada Pinkett scream. I just think there's like. Mendo, you need to get letterbox. It's funny, but it's pretty like, I don't know. It's a memorable scene when Jada gets stabbed. She goes, ah! <laughs> on the stage, and it's just like. But, uh. Mendo, what was you, I? Mendo, so, you need yeah. Letterboxd. Stanley Kubrick, whoever, yeah. those. Uh, those Alex North. Alex North. He those, his scored. scores. For those movies, uh-huh. are iconic in spoof movies, what movies else has he that done? come about afterwards, like dun I'm like, I'm like, this is that, yeah. this is where that, this is where that song came yeah. from. Yeah, it's like everybody has used dun dun it's dun, like, dun and it sets the tone for like the dawn of man. We're making in every scene in the movie. Can we just talk about 2001 for the rest of the fucking episode? No. Fuck. That's just too we're, cool. we're on. We're on. Yeah, we got to do a Stanley Kubrick episode. <laughs> I'm just so. Like, yeah. You brought up to every time someone brings out 2001. Only reason why I bring it up because I started watching it right after uh, Escape from New York. For me, it's dangerous to bring up 2001 because for me, that's a movie. I think I've said it before where I have to watch it every five years because it's one of those movies where if you're in a different state in life and you watch that movie you get something completely it different is so it. like i just like how i love movies where you, never mind so escape from new york uh <laughs> watching it for the first time for me yeah not gonna lie hard to watch why not at, not hard to watch it takes me a while to get into movies like that simply like actiony mm, or like corny not corny because that's what kind of got it for me. I was like, this is good, but just there was just peak, peaks of like, this is a little corny. When he but. first started talking, I was like, because it was like the Batman voice. He was like, hey, <laughs> yeah, snake. he had that action voice. Yeah, I'll be, and I, but I, because of yeah, my I'm, love and for it was action just movies. The eye patch and the yeah. hair and the sleeveless it was shirt. Such, but I was like, it's 1981. I, I remember yeah. that the entire movie. I was like, this is the before they got it down packed. By 1988, that action hero was way more funny. He was way more witty. At mm-hmm. least witty. He was way more witty by the late 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s. Like a sure. uh, fucking Lethal Weapon. Mel Gibson? No, not Mel Gibson. Sorry. Uh, Die Hard. Bruce Willis. What's his, what's his character's name? Is for Die Hard? Yes. I can't remember his fucking character's name. They say it all the time in, in Always Sunny. I can't remember his, his name in uh, Han... No, 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 no. Don't say a minute. Don't say it. Michael Mc- John McClane. Yeah. John McClane, yes. That's why you were staring at me like that. You were like, I fucking know this. Oh, my God. And I was I like, was like Meta, please don't I was like, it, it was like, it's not Gruber. That's the bad that's guy. The bad, I was going to say Hans Gruber. And I was like, that's the bad guy. John McClane. John McClane. Yes. So, like, they became more witty. So, I was like, you know what? I like I liked him more as I watched the movies. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, I had yeah. to remember that he was the archetype. Right. I'm like, this is like the beginning. Yeah. Yes. See? So that was the beginning of like then black people started becoming action stars like bad boys. So it became even more like comedic after Mike that. Lowry. Yeah, exactly. There was that tone. So um fucking... We gotta do a Michael Bay. Michael Bay for sure. We gotta do a Michael Bay episode. And that has to be one of the show. What well, did he do Bad Boys too also? I don't 
I don't think so. I love Bad Boys. No, no, no. I think he he did. I think he did. Because the scene scene where they're going through uh, Cuba. Yeah, he had to do Bad Boys. That was was an entire Michael Bay scene, the (laughs) Cuba scene. You gotta we gotta do bad boys. You, and, we gonna fuck this shit. Up. He gonna we gonna have to bomb another truck. Not this one. I'm we gotta fuck do bad this boys. Shit up. Bad boys and fire. Bad boys, the first one and Armageddon, Michael Bay episodes, right there. Yeah, we gotta do bad boys though. And uh, for the culture, for sure. Do some directors deserve three movies? Some, not a we. It can't just be. A, we should do three. It's got to be like you got to deserve it. We like, can't pick your two, just yeah. two. And like, that, like let's have what we I just do this. We'll give Amanda uh, a, a vote for that one. John Singleton for the third three movies. We're like, okay, Amanda, you got to pick the third yeah. movie. Because one, when you said three movies, John Singleton came to my mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, we got to do Boys in the Hood. We got to do Four Brothers and Baby Boy. Because sometimes they're so different in the spectrum of type of movies that they mm-hmm. are. Like Michael Bay. Everybody's going to think Transformers, but... He fucking gave us Mike Lowry. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great storyteller. The the polar, like, the way he's, like you said, the way it's able to be, like, different variety of storytelling. Yeah. But... But, And so my favorite scene in Escape from New York... Oh, I wanted to point this out. And Morrow, shout out to Morrow, because he's going to subscribe to the Patreon once we send him the link. Uh, so we'll shout him out when he signs up. We'll see him shout out again because that's my boy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he all the reason why I'm shouting him out also is because he let me know that Escape from New York, Metal Gear Solid is directly based off of that movie. His name is Snake. He wears an eye patch and he has to escape. He Marl has to save the dude the I present. just met, right? Yes. Okay. And he has to save. Okay. Marl knows a lot of stuff like that. A lot of like weird little like is he a cinephile? Like that. or is he just like cool shit? He's. <laughs> It seems like he just likes cool shit. He is he likes shit you would like because it's very like because I was here for like five minutes and we were watching Snowpiercer. Yeah, I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, no, Marl. <laughs> I told him. Yeah, yeah. I've told Amanda that Marl is like uh, people. I believe I really get. I believe people like ten percent. I think most people are full of shit. Mm-hmm. I give he Marl is one of the few people I give like a ninety ten. Like mm-hmm. most sometimes most of the time you know what you're talking about. Yeah. If you say it, I rarely ever like fact checked him. I'm a, I'm probably at like eighty or some shit or like. No, I told, yeah, I told you you're like at 83, 84. Yeah, that's pretty. That's solid. pretty high. Amanda has ninety nine. You know, you'll never get that hundred <laughs> percent. No one will ever never, get that hundred percent ever. I'm only the hundred percent in my head. But anyway, uh, Escape from New York. I really like the shot of uh, the the hanging from the Statue of Liberty. I love that shot. That was pretty dope. I hated when... Or from the wall. I yes, I was about when to say, I was like, huh? from the wall, and the guy fucking the president, like, stops the shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That was another thing. I was like, it's so unnecessary. That mm-hmm. was another note I made, that the president was a pussy in this entire yeah, movie. he was a little yeah. bitch. Like, I was yeah. like, oh, you fat little bastard. That's before they made the president, like, badasses. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, Olympus Rising, whatever. Olympus the, has yeah, it was like Jamie Foxx and Morgan Freeman aren't like. What were these... those two movies? That's another two movies that were the same. Olympus has fallen, and there's the Jamie Foxx one. There's the Jamie Foxx, and then there's Guardian the... Angel or something. No, that was his code name. Olympus has fallen and Escape from the White House or some shit like that. Or the what? So, Save the President. It was something like some that. Some shit like that. It was one of those it's movies. I know there's a title. name for that, and I know somebody's made an article about it when they're like very similar genres, it's like, like the same, basically movie. the same movie. White House down. White House down. White House down. 
Which one's that one? Jamie Foxx, right? Is White House. With Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum, Jamie. And then there's Gerard Butler and, and uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Which Olympus is the better has fallen. one? Yeah. Angel has fallen. Angel has fallen. Olympus has fallen, the newest one. Okay, okay, okay. All right, Jesus now, Christ! What is that big band? But the next thing you know is going to be Hong Kong is falling. Never mind, not going to go. Nah. <laughs> this whole podcast came full circle. <laughs> but um, but uh, so yeah, my favorite scene was when they were driving in the station wagon with the bars on the window. I really did when they were trying to drive through the crazies. Yeah, and they and he backed into the the car, and I was like, yeah. that's pretty feasible, dude. <laughs> that's pretty feasible. And then my second favorite scene was him flying in the glider. I really like that. Landing on top of it. That's yes. very, uh, that scene of when they're trying to get off the rooftop. Yes. It was very anxiety inducing. And I, yes. fuck, I fucked with that. And he was like, these fucking reds. I was like, yikes. That was a, these fucking redskins. And the minute he said it, I was like, yeah, I'm glad we changed our, our football <laughs> team name because uh, if they say it in the early 80s, back when they said, <laughs> I just told Amanda on As Good As It Gets, that movie with Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. I was watching the, you know how the little preview pops up on Prime? Mm-hmm. There was a scene in the movie, this is in the preview, and he goes, oh, writer, fag. Because he was introducing people. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, writer, meet fag. I was like, Jesus Christ. Right, I was like, no man. wonder we need to take some of them shits back back in the day. you <laughs> like, shit. damn, That's dude. That's like, off top. <laughs> right. That's how you introduce somebody? <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. But yeah, um, What year was that when that came out? Like 2002. Oh. Fag was still in heavy rotation I back mean, then. yeah, that's true. Because Step Brothers, there's even scenes in Step Brothers where yeah. it's a little like... Man, yeah. he kind of did that. Yeah. What? But so favorite memorable quotes. Uh, I can't think of it. At the very end, when he says, "I didn't keep track of it," he goes, "Call me Pliskin." Oh, <laughs> that's the scene I was like and I had to like in my head I was like what the fuck does that mean I got like I started having like an anxiety attack but like, at the same why did time he you're say like, you're like yeah fuck you bitch don't call me snake no more that nigga's dead I said the president there is a <laughs> <laughs> there is a uh, I looked up like there's a origin there's a deleted scene of like how he got into prison and and whatever really and like wh- where he came from whatever and how he got th- I don't know if it's how he got the eye patch but it's like basically a little background to him because I mean I'm, they say his charges he robbed a federal reserve I was like God damn and, I, and I'm glad he they was didn't, black ops and I'm glad I'm, they didn't put it in there yeah because them just and I I have this like I made a connection to where it's like when you uh, go like say you go to a bar right and you see all your friends and they're already mid conversation. And you jump in, that's when you're like, oh, fuck, like, I'm in this. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's really boring when you, like, sit down and you're like, so, you, what are you doing? You, what are you doing? And you kind of get everybody's feel. But, mm-hmm. like, when you're just thrown into that, like, you know, like, that world, like, that's when it, it's the best outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did with this movie of, like, fuck the origin story. Like, we're not going to let you know. Like, they think he's dead. You don't know why they think he's dead. And it's just, it's like Tenet. You know, yes. like you have don't even know what this the movie has to be really good to get away with that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's it what has to be really well written for you to say. I don't give a shit where he came. Not even that I don't give a shit where he came from. I kind of understand, but I think I will say this: the two things that are similar between Tenet and that, yeah. and maybe when people do accept that, is when there's some type of like intelligence officer, when they're prior CIA, yeah. or like prior yeah, yeah. like 
black because yeah, that's enough background that's enough you're like oh you don't have a background when you have that mm-hmm. like these people can't know your background they were like yeah we tried to google we tried to like search him in a database and we don't yeah he's dead most of, <laughs> yeah most of it is redacted because and then, and then tenant they literally kill him yes like and bring him back to life they're like we have to let we have to let the world think that you're dead mm-hmm. and you got to think and i tell people like a lot of those movies there's like a person who's like a uh, what you call a tech advisor or like a continuity advisor yeah where they're like yeah that wouldn't really happen like that so a lot of this stuff in movies or a lot of these rich people know somebody who like mm. wrote a book that was prior navy I, seals or something like that. i guarantee that. in 10 years tenant is gonna be a classic oh for sure watch i'm calling it right now because people don't like there's a lot of people who don't like it but it's growing more and more which that's what it's supposed to but they hated they it grew on them because it's just like inception they didn't I, understand what the fuck and was i going feel like on. it has to do partly not just the story itself the film itself but partly because of covid of it being not in are theaters. you gonna do a christopher nolan three movies maybe no just two i feel like christopher nolan deserves just two where are his movies uh, I mean, Inception, the, yeah, Inception, Interstellar. Interstellar. Dude, I'm not going to lie. Those, you just named two slappers that weren't Batman and fucking... He Tenet. did... Uh, oh, we got to do The Prestige. Yeah, he might deserve three, bro. We got to do Insomnia. Not in, not Insomnia, but he did Insomnia. But The Prestige is going to be one of them if we do Christopher Nolan, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh! He has to do three. He didn't do Transcendence. Uh, he might have produced it, maybe. Probably. That's why I say you need le- download Letterbox Mendo right now and make it, <laughs> because that uh, when you look up a director, it gives you like his movies as a producer and his movies as a director. Oh, I thought it, I thought this may have been a Christopher Nolan movie, but whoever this guy is, Darren Aron- this guy. Aronofsky, he made that movie uh, I love. He did Memento, yes. But yeah, anyways, John, that's John Carpenter Escape from New York. Uh, did we get every point that you wanted to make? Oh, we need the final one. Who won the movie? I say John Carpenter won with the score. Or, Kurt Ru- obviously, the obvious winner would be Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. I kind of like Cabby. <laughs> I did like Cabby. That's a sleeper. Like you felt bad when he died. Yeah. Oh, and as far as like who had a small part in the film but killed it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very small, but as for me, it's like when I hear Jamie Lee, Cur- Jamie Lee Curtis in the beginning explaining everything that's going on, that shit like still gives me chills. Like, oh, New York City, like you said, 1988, the crime, whatever. I, that shit is like, holy, like it's like literally putting you in this world and then the score starts. Mm-hmm. You're like, holy shit. Plus it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. She has a nice voice. So, but... Kurt but Ro- what we say, would that, we all agree? Oh, the dude, I like the dude with the blonde spikes who look like Goku. Or will we say Isaac Hayes and his performance? I feel like I, when I saw his name come up on the credits, I already expected You already, that. like, had a, a model? Yeah. So he didn't disappoint. I yeah, he was just who he, he was. was just mm-hmm. Isaac Hayes. It seems like... Except I, for he was more angry because his eye twitched this time. It seems, yeah, it's, his eye twitched, I was like, he had a he had a he was for sure like in his bag. I got that though because my eye twitches when I'm really upset. I'd be like my <laughs> left eye start twitching. I felt that. I was like, okay, yeah, he's acting okay. right now. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> but uh I I think we could all 
I don't think there's any casting what ifs. No, everyone was perfect. Yeah, because yeah. it was their, it was the first of its kind, really. Right. So maybe the female. Oh, uh, no, that could have, that, she, she, that she should have stayed. Been, I feel like that could have been That nah, could have like, been, she was uh, like a baddie, yo. That could have been, uh, what's her name? I'm forgetting her name. We talk about Sigourney her. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney yeah. Weaver, you know exactly what Because when saying. I saw her, I was like, oh, Sigourney? <laughs> That's the first thing I thought. With that, like, I think that would be a casting. Yeah. yeah, but she was like probably, what, 15 when that movie came out, probably? Still. No? No? Cause aliens. When did came... aliens come out? In Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She was pretty. In she her was like 20s. the same. Yeah. Yeah, she was in her. 20s. I forgot about Ghostbusters. Thanks for bringing. Because this up. was eighty one. Because I was like, when the fuck did aliens come out? She had to be in her thirties, early thirties, late twenties. Alien came out. She was born nineteen forty nine. Jesus Christ. She's seventy one years old. And she still looks bad. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, definitely. I don't know. If... <sighs> That makes me feel weird, dude. She's like four years younger than my grandma. Because Alien, the the first Alien came out in like 79. That's gross. What did I say, 1949? Yeah. yeah. So she would be, she would have been 32, so she would have been fine. And Alien, Alien came out in 79. She looked good things. I thought she was in her 20s. She was bad in them joints. Well, she had money. She right. <laughs> got money now. <laughs> but yeah, 79 is when uh, Alien came out and then... Yeah, two years later, she could have easily been a... Oh, perfect timing. Camera guys, hold on, camera. (laughs) Camera break. I think her going back-to-back... I mean, Alien and then two years later doing uh, Escape from New York. But Escape from New York still has like this. The Shawnee in Escape from New York was bad. Though. Yeah, we can't really get take them. That away. Knockers was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is the '80s, baby. Who would be Isaac Hayes? Nobody. Another R&B artist. Yeah, would have had to have been uh, Marvin Gaye, John Brown before he got shot. Uh, who else was from back then? Sidney uh, Poitier. I would have had to. I would have. Sidney Poitier would have been a great, great Duke. I think probably better than Isaac Hayes yeah. for sure. Sidney Poitier, but he was way too big back then for that movie. Um, Who the, that was her the name? Lady. That's her. Yeah, the name. Um, but the she I, married to John Carpenter. Oh, that's his wife. Yeah. Yeah, of course he was. That's like Scarlett Johansson. Like those directors always be like, "That's damn. what's up." <laughs> They'd be like, "Damn, you bad." <laughs> but <laughs> that's true. That's what uh, Co- Ethan Cohen married. Uh, uh, her fucking what's her face from fucking? Can you look it up, Amanda? I'm sorry. Ethan Cohen's wife. I'm. F- uh, I forgot her name. Olivia Wilde. No. Didn't her She's Jason in Blood Duseckis? Simple. Look up Blood Simple. I forgot her fucking name. She's like one of the best fucking actresses of all time. I don't know. I I when I'm when we're recording, I forget everybody's name. Yeah, that's it's the worst shit in the yeah. world. Because the pressure's on. You don't want to seem like a dumb dumb. I don't know who the <laughs> Blood Simple. But who won the movie Best Performance? Could be one of the actors, directors, cinematographer, anybody. I Who say won the movie? either the score one or obviously Kurt Russell. I say Kurt Russell for sure. Kurt Russell. 
It would have to be Kurt Russell. Because that's him, his first Francis role. Francis McDormand? Francis McDormand, yes. And fucking uh, Ethan Cohen, right? Mm-hmm. You don't like her or what? Joe Cohen. Joe Cohen. Joe, yeah, your face says that you yeah, don't think you don't she's like... cute at all. Uh, I mean, actress-wise, um, yeah, but... You don't think she looked good? What's her name? You're tripping. Frances McDormand. <laughs> <laughs> Frances McDormand, she's... I think she's beautiful. And she's weird, too, so I, f- I fuck with her. Maybe that's what That's is. probably what you like about her, then. Not that she's cute. She is cute. Have you seen her in Blood Simple? I obviously you guys haven't seen Blood Simple, probably. Now you saw yeah. it. Yeah, 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 go down. Francis McDormand. Oh, well, not McDermott, McDormand. Oh, McDormand. Francis McDormand. McDormand? Right there, right there. Come on, bro. What you talking about? Go to Blood Simple. Look up Blood Simple. Don't look up these. Don't look up her IMDb. Go to Google. I want to see her currently. That's a great gauge. Right. That's what I'm saying. I was like, whoa. You can tell somebody bad or not. Makeup does a whole thing. You said blood letter? What the fuck was that? Trash. Uh, all right, whatever. Blood Simple. I think she looks beautiful. In the 80s? Nah, bro. You guys are tripping. Look at that on the very right, top right. No. The very top right. This? Tell me she doesn't look good right there. Uh, you know who she reminds oh me of? Oh, my God. No, she doesn't. You know who she reminds me of? Y'all are tripping. She looks like one of them people. She's like, like she talks like her teeth are too no, big for her like mouth. She's related to the girl from the lady from the Y'all are tripping right now. Let's end this episode. She looks like she got a lisp. Y'all are what, 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 what are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't see. I didn't see what you had for the Chappelle show. I didn't see what you did. There's more gas trick. Stepped on over my sneakers. Even, <laughs> this nigga, this more gas trick. Pour more salt over my sneakers. Pour more salt over him. Shout out to Dallas Morton. I say that to him every time. I can see here why you think she's bad. Oh that, my, yeah. she is I can beautiful. See there. Oh my god. Even I mean, but apart- her teeth are still too big for her mouth. Is she British? No. That was racist. I just... Why? That was racist to British people. You can't be racist to British people. They're white. I don't know. Y'all are tripping. I'm, I a, I'm a nationalist. I'm not a racist. That's I, what you are. I need to be an ist something. Everybody's <laughs> an ist something. You're offensive to something. Yeah. but And I choose to let that outlet be British people. <laughs> but... Yeah, man. You're tripping. She is not good looking. All right. Whatever. She look like... That's your opinion. She looks like her. She looked like Deborah Newman. Oh, she was adopted. Y'all are tripping. Name one better name. There's what year? What year did 1984 come out? Not 1984. Jesus Christ. Uh, Who else was out in 1984? 1984 actresses. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot. Are we getting into a misogynistic land? I'm not saying she's. <laughs> Before we start gauging <laughs> no, women no, no, from no, the eighties, I'm not 84. saying she's the best looking woman of all time. No, I but just she still she... wasn't even bad. I don't know, dude. I don't see it. Oh yeah, Fargo. She wasn't even good looking in Fargo. Yeah, yeah, tripping. Yikes, dude. Look, see, like she holding spit in her mouth hey, all the just, time. That's just my taste. Like she, you know how people like sometimes when you go to the dentist and yeah, your bro. bottom lip is kind of like numb. Yeah. And you like gotta like hold or hold the spit in your mouth so you don't like. 
Controlling yourself. <laughs> they mad as shit. He's mad that both of us didn't agree with him. If it was two to one, you'd be happy. Yeah. But since it's two to one opposite, you're mad now. Yeah. Nate hates being wrong. Yeah. Go ahead, spit that spit out your mouth, Shawty. Look, she dipping right there. Babe. Look, don't you like she dipping? She got a dip in her mouth. <laughs> Damn. You acting like she's my girl and you're just fucking mad. <laughs> you bringing the DC out of me. I start joning all of a sudden, dude. You shouldn't have shown me the Mallory bros beforehand. Now I just start joning. <laughs> but um, what were we talking about? Do they say that on there? Do they say, oh, you joning? Do they say that? Yeah. They, oh, and you they, joning? And they'd be like, you jaw like. <laughs> Meryl Streep is bad as fuck. She's still bad, bro. See what I'm talking about? Meryl Streep, that's t- Not top no tier. Not no Frances McDormand. Jodie Foster, I'm okay on. Yeah. I'm, 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 no, she's Michelle still Pfeiffer bad, Scar- dog. Michelle Pfeiffer and Scarface? In Ant-Man and Wasp? Crazy. She was, I was like, oh, you still got it, yeah. Michelle. Okay. Crazy. She like Jody. She's like a uh, Jane Foster. That Jane could Fonda. be a, that could be a recasting. Jane Fonda, Michelle could get Michelle it. Pfeiffer in Escape from New York. Yes, that I was. could see that because she wasn't too big Mm-mm. in eighty one. I don't think she was big at all in eighty one. I don't know. But then it would have been like you're um, in jail. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, why was the chicken jail? Yeah, she had on a nightgown. Where'd you get that from? <laughs> <laughs> but. Damn, Heather Locklear, that's Olivia a sleeper. Newton-John. Olivia Newton John. That might have been a little. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's, we're just I'm pushing Mick Dick Dorman down the list. I'm a little upset now. <laughs> I, like, I feel like a little attacked. You should. But, but it's whatever. I'm not even tripping, though. Like, I. I... <laughs> that sounds like I'm hurt, but like. I'm, I'm, not, even, I'm genuinely good, not. I'm, gen, I'm genuinely not tripping. It's cool, man. Brooke Shields. Who's that? That makes that's that, the, Brooke that name. Brooke Shields is a baddie for sure in my name head. Is, I can't remember her face, but I know that she's name is a familiar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brooke Shields with oh yeah. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Okay, I see it. I see it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So thanks, guys, for. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for ruining my life and attacking me on my own show. Uh, this has been Nathan McGeorge. This is Nathan McGeorge from None of This Really Matters. I hate Amanda and Robert. Amanda and Rob just ruined my night. And uh, go listen to Freestyle with Your Friends, Volume 3. That's coming <laughs> out July. 23rd. 23rd. July 23rd, Freestyle with Your Friends, Volume 3. All right. Uh, seriously, I hope you enjoyed our our, yes. our kind of review. It was a pretty good review, but we kind of went on little tangents with uh, people fuck with well, that. Well, no, yeah. yeah. They, were, they, were we related. Said, they were related. They were related. Yeah, tangents are okay as long as we keep to their structure. You know, my one's too structured. This isn't fucking TV. Joe, yeah. <laughs> or Joe Rogan's not really structured. He's but not you know structured what I at mean. all. Yeah. But uh, that's Escape from New York. And next go week, watch it. Go watch it. It's on HBO Max. If you we'll have review it. it on Letterbox, me and Nathan for sure. And then um, next week we'll do Jordan Peele. We're doing Jordan Peele next week. We're gonna be doing. We should do it in order, right? Get out and then us, or do you want to do us then get out? 
I'm gonna do Get Out the Nuts because everybody did. they always forget the name of us and they say Get Out Number Two. <laughs> <laughs> I always hear people say that they be like, "What's that shit called? Get Out it's Number like, Two? Get Out Two? <laughs> He's like, but, "Oh, us, yeah, yeah. Get Out will be next week, and then us will be the week after. So, and we have no idea who we're gonna do after. I'm just excited to do Jordan. Yeah, but uh, hope you guys enjoy, are enjoying this show, like how it's going now. But it's pretty fucking dope. Sign up on Patreon so you can see the video. Patreon uh, for visuals and uh, 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 Instagram, just Rob DMV, and none of this really, at none of this really matters. Follow on Letterbox as well. And Menda needs to make a Letterbox just to have it. Yeah, she's on Instagram, Miss Amanda Shelton. Miss Amanda Shelton. I'm going to need her to change that because I don't need my name out there like that. So. <laughs> and what's the positive note? Oh, positive, positive note. I had one earlier this week. Go to therapy. Wow. Battery just died, guys. <laughs> on the on the audio that died, oh, the battery just died. It died, died. I mean, that's perfect timing. Yeah. But yeah. the audio only will be a positive outro. Yes. Go, go to therapy. I just heard somebody say that. Go to therapy. and If uh, you need it, don't let nobody talk you out of it. Everybody, we're all going through it somehow. Go mm-hmm. get help. Tell your friends if you think you're sad, even if they the squeaky make fun wheel of you. gets the oh, grease. Yes. What was that, that you were watching earlier? The, the text messages. Was it Lyle? Huh? Lyle. Telling your friends that you're depressed. Oh yeah, it was Lyle. What he happened? was like, "I'm that friend." Is uh, shout out to boy Lyle Barons. He uh, about to start season three of Let's Unpack This. Remember, yeah. that's the one I let you yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah, Lyle. And he was saying, uh, he's a friend to just be like, nigga, I'm depressed. Like, that's just like an answer that you say to your friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, but he said something that was basically along the lines of like, say that to your boys more often, though. Like, yeah. I'm depressed yeah, right yeah. now. Make sure your friends are okay. Yeah. That, 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 that's what I want to say. If you hear your boy talking about how he's stuck and he's like, man, I don't know what to do. There's there's if, a chance he's probably if, something's going on. If you're listening to this and you're just chilling, text one of your friends. Even if you don't really be having conversations right. like that. And if you don't have conversations like that, that's also a sign of like if you've seen and, yourself and, becoming and mention more it. mention it. Be like, off. hey, I know we don't have conversations yes. like that. Yes. Yeah, talk listen, man, the future is love, man. I know this sounds like some corny ass shit. But yeah. a lot of people I see are being like <laughs> apathetic toward the future. Yeah. I have a lot of hope for just our generation, how we're very collaborative. We know that you have yeah. to, we've gotten like... over the greed. Like we've seen how greed can destroy the planet. Like mm-hmm. America why, is just I, I was like, just thinking if you've ever done acid, then love is the answer. Yes. Everything. If you've ever done every any time kind I hear of psychedelic. The word, every time I hear the word love, I'm like, yes, that's the answer. And it, sure. and that means that's a loaded answer. You have to figure out what that means to mm-hmm. you. But I promise you, it's very subjective. Yes, yeah. I promise you, it doesn't matter what if you love if you love attention, go get that man. Yeah. Like figure it out later. Go if you love being like, go be a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Go be go do whatever you think is going to get you mm-hmm. out of your funk. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say about social media, if you know those people who are like. I'm not responsible for the what you the story you come up with for who you think I am as a person just because of what I post. Yes, what, you are. for whatever you post on social media, it is your fault yeah, that like, I think that about yeah, you. Yeah, stop fucking. You think I'm this way because I post this. What like, the if you fuck post, else am I supposed to think? If you post a stripper poll uh, once a week, 
I'm gonna think you're a fucking pole dancer. Hey guys, I'm not a fucking stripper. I do strip aerobics. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, like you can't, and I and I run into you and be like, so how's are you stripping now? And she's yeah. like, no, I don't. Like you can't be mad I at me. So ass, whatever dude. you post, it is your fault that people, people look who at you like, like that. I, you know, uh, 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 not to go on a super social media tangent. You motherfuckers who cover up your significant other's faces, that is the dumbest. If you do that all the time, if you guys been dating for like three years and you're still doing that, it's like you're insecure. Even if it's like seven months and y'all are like kind of exclusive, cut the shit. Don't be taking the picture with like, oh, I'm taking the pictures with of their hand. Like, nigga, be fucking. Yeah, because for me, if we're going to talk about this, I let's just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> So like fuck, uh, sorry Patreon users, but if this, this is like, you can upload the audio to Patreon too. Okay, we'll some do that. people we'll like do to that. stay inside of the app too. Let's let's make this a long episode. Yeah, know, fuck. But for me, like if I were to be dating someone, and like I'm, and it, when it comes to social media, I don't even post myself a lot. Yeah. So like people automatically like when I'm when I've been in a relationship, they don't care that I don't post them because like it's just not something I do. But when I do, I post them like. There's no fucking, oh, it's their hand or it's the, them sitting across the table at dinner or whatever. It's like, no, I'm going to post them. But, like, I'm just not the type to be posting in general. Chris did that for, like, two weeks and then he showed Juan's face. Mm-hmm. It was, like, two weeks. Of because like, that's, um, how, but that's how it goes. It's yeah. Like, if we, I don't if, know how. I think I don't know because me and Amanda have been together since before since Instagram. Since before that, yeah, so, that whole wave kind of happened. But even then, MySpace and Facebook was kind of like, yo, this is who I'm talking to. Yeah. Like, this is my... It was just kind of like, I'm dating. Yeah, yeah, like, this is who I'm with now. Like, mm-hmm. as much as you don't want to make it seem... Like, that makes it solid. I mean, mm-hmm. you... To me, it's like y'all are trying to hide this person from either the world because you have some ungodly yeah, belief like, that woman... Somebody's going to try to come and being, get at her. Being insecure. Or him. Yeah. Or... You are trying to do it because you're a player and you don't want some of your yeah, other niggas. you're not trying or, to burn all the bridges. Right. You're trying to keep it kind of like letting somebody know I'm so talking to somebody. So that's an advantage to be like, well, we were never really dating. Exactly. So like, you have no proof of like exactly. kind of thing. And that's what people, and if that's what it is, then fine. But don't do this whole like, I'm so in love and you're still like, I've seen people who have like wedding pictures and they cover their husband's face. Because like, I don't want you bitches out here trying to, like, if y'all got married, why the fuck you worry about him and other yeah. bitches? Like, what the fuck kind of stupid ass shit is that? Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to, I think my point is, like, stop being fucking corny on Instagram. Unless you're trying to, like, be a business or you're trying to be, like, this personality, just be your fucking self. Yeah. If you're one of those people who never posts, like, let me say this. Nate never posts pictures of himself, but you can go to his page and find pictures of Nate. Yeah. You fucking weirdos who never have a picture of yourself, like your profile picture is some random. Yeah, I have like two pictures of myself. Yeah, I can like see your face. 30, There's people who have like pictures of like, they're just their mouth. And and somebody said, like, you're not being fucking mysterious. Like, mm-hmm. you're just like, this is your picture. Your page is boring. And because... a lot of the pictures I have of myself are like almost obligatory. Yes. Like. But it's still, like, I still feel comfortable, like, just posting myself and, like... Because it is just weird for me for people to know what I look like. And it's even weird for me to have a podcast where people know what I sound like and I've never mm-hmm. met them. But I just do that shit anyways because it's cool. Like, yeah. And the there's pe- a part of it you have to say this is a part of the the grind. People mm-hmm. want... We like being connected to the people that we like, too. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? We like being connected to our... And you like, like knowing about... Ingmar, you like to go to their Instagram and their Twitter and kind of like... And like being 
in front of a camera while recording is like weird because people are going to see my voice, like see my face, hear my voice, and I'm going to be like in front of something that's going to be shared. And even though it's on Patreon, it's still like anybody can have access to it. Yes. But it's like, the, the I guess for me, like I've told you, like it kind of pays off to where if when I barely, you know, show my face or whatever, it's like when people see me making a commercial, mm-hmm. they're like, holy shit, he's fucking like being an animated person yeah. and like having a personality. Like, I don't know, because I just don't share that. But But the thing is, when you meet me, it's like I'm fucking like this. Yeah. Like, there's no like me doing like this is how I talk about movies anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how you talk about stuff in general. So it's like people like having a picture of how you look because I like it at least when I listen to podcasts just audio. Mm-hmm. Like I can still see their face movement. I can imagine you in the room. Yeah, like you like cause so when you are hearing just audio, you kind of see how they're saying it and mm-hmm. like everything, and it makes it just a tad bit more like yeah. Just, you like it just And a that's why bit we more. do this yeah. with the camera. Because, video, video, people audio, fuck with that. audio I fuck visual, with that. yeah. And then you're a, you're a movie buff, and these are, this is also, I want to try to go on Patreon, because Nate takes a lot of time setting up these shots mm-hmm. of, like, the lighting and stuff like that. So this mm-hmm. is this for is cinephiles. This is a part of my resume. Yes, of like, this, is, this is for cinephiles, because, like, lighting is important, where the camera is, like, where yeah, Nate's like, seated, where the microphone is placed in front of. Mm-hmm. These are all, you guys, if you're really getting into cinema of any type, you need to Yeah, subscribe to that. the Patreon, yeah. because there is cinematic, with just how the lights are set up, and the focal length, and the the focus, and how everything is set up, the way I'm positioned. It's even. a step above other people's podcasts mm-hmm. when they record. Some people just record and be like, is everybody in the shot? Cool. And that's pretty much it. And that's it. But, but like they for don't, me, psychologically, you have no idea what seeing this shot, like you have you how you have it set up, yeah. does to a podcast. Mm-hmm. And the psychology of it. Yeah. This, is, this will be shit people want to watch on their big screen TV. So, yeah, exactly. Because what I wanted, I've told you guys this before off of the podcast, but just to put it out there, that I want, my goal, I guess... Is and I don't have high goals for this podcast. I just want to do it this all the time. What, however, mm-hmm. this is, um, to have the first podcast episode shot on film. That will be a landmark, and unless someone does it before, but I want to do that. That'd be pretty dope. Just one episode. You gotta make it a brothers and a brother. All shot on film, just one camera, one angle, all the way through for like an hour, and then that'll be cool. But I know that's money, but that's the goal. Yeah. But anyways. Thanks for listening. Don't be an asshole on social media. Don't think you're cool. Because yeah. no one thinks don't you're cool. Don't be too cool and don't be, like, too cool. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, that no makes one, any sense. No one gives a fuck, so... Be yourself. Be, yeah. So that's why this is called... None of this. Babe, just <laughs> Okay. That's why this podcast is called None of This Really Matters. Don't. Oh, my God. You made my stomach hurt. <laughs> but that's why this podcast is called None of This Really Matters. It's right. Because no one fucking cares. So just be yourself and do what you want. Oh, also, another thing I wanted to point out. I like DJ Damo. Her post. Remember I sent it to the... She's... You sent it to me. Yeah. And I was like, she just summed up. She summed my up whole none shit, of this my whole re- life. Her literal first caption was, none of this shit really matters. But then when you start to read it, she basically says, none of this shit matters if you're not happy doing it. Mm-hmm. If you're not with family, if you're not with... That's what none of this... People who ask why y'all call it, none of this really matters, that's it's be- why. It's because 
It doesn't fucking like we're doing what we want, we, what we enjoy. Like. It. We love Rob loves working with audio, yes, and I love recording. I and love talking having about the movies. big clock up behind me and doing the podcast thing and having like the this screen is what up. we love doing. Yeah, we don't care about what people think about it. No. We're doing. We're not doing it for other people. I told Nate that I'm dealing with some shit right now, and doing the podcast is a light of my week most of mm-hmm. the time. I'm like, I really enjoy setting up the room for the podcast. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. There's it, some, like for us personally, it's something cool yeah. to If look you don't enjoy, there's people out there, y'all are doing stuff because you see somebody you like doing it. You can do that, but yeah. do your version of it or just, you don't have to do that at all. Figure mm-hmm. out something else. You know what I'm saying? For sure. The podcast is the show. Nate doesn't like take pictures, doesn't like taking pictures. Nate doesn't really post stories like that. Mm-hmm. So this podcast is a great way for you guys to get to know Nate. Yeah. That's what I like about it's it. Like podcast, starting I ain't never I version feel, of I felt that. so vulnerable yeah. putting it out at first. But now it's like, okay, cool. I felt, uh, I like podcasts. Everybody's like, oh, don't start a podcast. No, I want everybody. Cause Please of the go start I'm, a podcast. Yeah, I, I want to know about, about you. Like, like I said, if you're going to start a podcast, start it, but make it your own like yes. if you, like i like i said a few weeks ago like start a if you love anime start an anime podcast it could be 15 minutes 20 minutes people just talk people about want whatever. to connect to you if you like painting make a podcast please. where you're painting and you're just talking please be the next bob ross dude do something that is just that you love and if someone's already done it before who the fuck who gives cares? a shit? You know how many There's film podcasts? There's 7 billion people in the world. It's What's be- crazy that you talked about that? I just saw somebody promote their film podcast. Yeah. I can't remember Lavoid. who it was. Lavoid started his That's own who his it girlfriend. was. And I, and I DM'd him. I was like, that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. We went back and forth about it. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's fucking dope. Like, I love because Lavoid is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. told him he's one of the greatest coming out of AZ. Yeah, for sure. Because I truly believe he's, that he's, he's one a, of the best coming out of AZ. A, Crazy good artist. He's yeah. so talented. Lavoy L A. If y'all want to go know who we're talking about, L A V O Y D E S H E P. Yeah, Lavoy Le- Shep. He's Dude fucking awesome. Like, and actually, a really. He has the Instagram of a really cool person, but he's like <laughs> yeah. a really dope dude. He's yeah. like, he's messaging me. He's like, yo, I fuck with you. Thanks for shouting me out. Like, the dude's nice. Like, he's yeah. a cool guy. He's like. Yeah, he's the homie. And this nigga got straight backs. That's dope, too. <laughs> so you can probably so, beat your ass. Yeah, shout out, <laughs> shout out LaVoid. But, yeah, him starting his own film podcast. I think that shit's dope. Yeah, like, I love I it. do it because I know a lot of people would be like, yo, what the fuck? You're trying to steal my shit? No. You know how many fucking other film podcasts there are? And it's dope that he's in L.A. doing it. He's super dope. He probably has friends who are in that circle. And so, And so it's just cool hearing other people's outlets. And just like... We're saying go start your own podcast because you'll never know who likes your outlook on things. Mm-hmm. So go start a podcast and do your own thing and don't care about what other people think because that's a pet peeve of mine. People, if you care about what other people think, I probably I don't fuck with you. Like I really don't. That's number one. I can understand why, but that's a that's something that you got to grow out of at some point in mm-hmm. your adult life. Just people who are you think you don't care about what people mm-hmm. think you say you don't. But you literally are cookie cutter. You no, you have like, everything like to the point where it's like you won't do what you like mm-hmm. because other people don't like it. That's a deal breaker. There's people who are doctors because you like being called a doctor. You mm-hmm. never wanted to be a doctor. If you do shit for other people for the what do you call it the acceptance? accolades? Yeah, like 
That's just why. Like, why the yeah. fuck are you? That's why I think some doctors are dickheads. It's like you don't really like being a doctor. <laughs> You're just you doing it like... so you can be yeah doctor That's whatever. Also the habit of because I want to be a <laughs> oh yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Influencer, yeah, a YouTube influencer, whatever the fuck that means. But when when you're an influencer like me, I'm like, what the fuck do you influence? Like the Kardashians, if you call yourself an influencer, you're a fucking dick. You're corny, bro. (laughs) Like get out. You're corny. I don't even know what you don't have. If you don't have a talent, Mm -hmm. like that's corny, bro. Like you can't be like you just like woke up today and just had a wonderful day and then. But then it's like, what are you offering me? Yeah. Like, what do you like get out of me? What do you what emotions do you evoke? Like, what are you making me feel? You know what I mean? It's like just because you have 2000 pictures doesn't make you an Instagram influencer. Like just because you're on Instagram every single fucking day of your life and all you're doing is posting or reposting is what it usually is. You're just reposting other people's shit on, which is another annoying thing. Pages that you're just a full repost page. You have no. No original thought or no original takes on anything. Nothing. That's why I don't repost shit. I if I have something to say, I'll literally take a picture of like black screen and just fucking type out paragraphs. I just be typing shit, and I just type that. And if people want to read, people want to read, but I don't fucking care. I'm just putting it out there because that's what social media is for. But most of the time, I'll just say it to you guys, or mm-hmm. I'll say it to Titi or whatever, because. I don't really because I don't care about what other people have to say on social media, so I just say it to people who I can have a conversation with and can talk back. Like so, my like my topic today is calling another man by his full name. Mm-hmm. Gay. That's a little sus. Yeah. It's a, it's just like you think about it, there's only women in your life who usually call you by your full name. Yeah. Like Amanda's the only Amanda and my sisters. Like I don't notice it until they're not around. That my whole family calls me Robert. A lot of people call me. Nate, except for like girls my age, when they first meet me, they call me Nathan. Yeah, exactly. But, Women usually, but eventually it turns into Nate. Yeah, or they go back and forth to Nathan and Nate, but it's never. There's never been a person where it's always Nathan. Yeah, because that's weird. I was like, don't call me. Except Nathan. for your mom, she is more Nathan's than Nate. Yeah, yeah, but she does have some nicknames for me that I'm not going to say on the pod. But yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say shit. I can't even think of it. Now I want you to say it. Oh, well, say, let's I send it right I, here. Have I heard it? <laughs> let's send it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week with the Jordan Peele Get Out. Yes, yes, Radio. yes. Ex- this is a two-hour episode today. This is nice. I enjoyed it. I want to keep going, but we'll end it right here. Just That's structured though. You can either be an hour ten or two hours in between. <laughs> so I'll see you guys next week with Jordan Peele. Peace out. Peace. Peace.